good evening. How are y'all doing? This is your favorite, Cicely Marie Goose. And I'm going to do a quick show today. Give me a second to get um, set up. Waiting on my co-host to get here, the wonderful Mr. Hakeem Ali Bocas Alexander. And we are going to have a grand old time talking about astrology. So give me just a little while to get my guest in. He should be popping up sooner or later. Let's see. I can get something going. Want to know how your guys' days are going? Y'all having a good day? There's a lot of good astro knowledge I want to talk about today as well. So, And yes, the talk for today is based off of a free app. It's a free astrology app called CoStar. And CoStar is really good if you're getting into astrology and you want to know what's going on for today. And it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good overview for the days coming. And I just want to read the very first thing it says. It always gives your your good evening greeting, the weather where you are, and today at a glance. And today at a glance says, it is okay to be terrified of getting what you want. And that's a ooh-wee kind of thing. To be afraid of getting what you want. What if everything goes perfectly? What if it goes swimmingly? What if everything goes exactly as it's planned to be? Would you still be terrified? Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm not. And I'm going to put the link in the chat notes. So if you'd like to read along, you can read along. Let me add that as well. Hmm. Let's see. So I don't know where my co-host is. I'll probably have to snatch him out in a little while. But I'm going to go ahead and start with the basic daily updates. Today is January 6th, and the title is, It's Okay to be Terrified of Getting What You Want. And the elements of the day are power in spirituality, social life, sex and love, and self. 
The pressure of today is thinking and creativity and the trouble of the day is with routine. And it lists do's and don'ts, which are really interesting when you look at your individual chart and how it works. Because my do's for today are make a first move, tight squeezes and mixtapes. The don'ts are mind games, rolling the dice and clickbait. This is a time for romance, but if you're feeling guarded, this is a time for romance, but you're feeling guarded, you can't keep your heart walled off forever. The right people will understand and appreciate your boundaries. <clears throat> Excuse me. It can be hard to take care of yourself when your boundaries are crossed. There's nothing inherently wrong with craving an edge. It just doesn't necessarily serve your purpose right now. Use this moment to cultivate good boundaries. The general theme of life during this period is free yourself from jealousy and emotional possessiveness by seeking out forms of love and friendship that deviate from your past. Drama is a treat thrill for people who fear real intensity. To get close, you have to put down your weapons. And that's a good statement for anybody that wants to know anything about it or anybody that needs help with boundaries. And one of the best parts about this app, certain parts of the article for the day will be hyperlinked where you can click on it and see what aspects are affecting this transition. So the aspect that affects when your boundaries are crossed, which is hyperlink, when I click on it, it says from January 1st, 2023 to January 11th, 2023, communications challenging energy. Communications are challenging the energy. You've been analyzing the way you attach meaning to the world. There may be a conflict with another person or between your inner world and the rest of the universe. You will have to choose between the way you've been thinking and communicating and your natural drive for action. Follow what you feel. Keep moving the way you want to. It's not time for pause. The whole conflict will see its beginnings in the way you make sense of the world as it affects the new ideas you've been craving. A choice will arise one having to do with a new book that will change how you see the world. This conflict will impact your resourcefulness, bringing new forms of creativity or romance into your life and affect your subconscious. Every artist is inspired by the dark depths of their unconscious mind. How will you turn these struggles into the sublime? You have to make a decision, but remember that com the conflicts that you face externally reflect the conflicts inside of you. And with this small article, it has the opposition point as to, it shows you a visual graph of why this is happening. <clears throat> and why this is happening is Mercury is currently opposite from where Mars was when I was born. That angle called a opposition, which is a total 180, 
is complex, symbolizing a choice that you have to make. Mercury stands for thinking and communication and Mars represents action. So there's an opposition in the way I think and communicate versus the actions that I'm taking. And that was the brief overview over why I have to take care of myself when my boundaries are crossed. Also, the general theme of your life is hyperlinked as well. So we're going to go into that one. And this transit is a very slow moving transit. It goes from October 6th, 2022 to April 26th, 2023. Creativity enhancing romance. You might take a risk having to do with yourself and self image. You will have a bit of luck relating to your romantic or creative life. This happy coincidence will see its beginnings in your subconscious in conjunction with your need for action. This luck might relate to experiments with your subconscious, like hypnosis, therapy, or intense conversations. But this will not be a stressful situation. And in this graph, Uranus is 30 degrees or semi-sextile from where Venus was when I was born. The semi-sextile angle is understood as a positive, bringing forth good timing, and Uranus stands for innovation, and Venus represents pleasure. So my innovation and pleasure centers are activated because they're in the same places that they were when I was born. And it goes further to read, power and self-respect the moon is letting you relax right now this means that you're able to access the hidden parts of yourself it is a good time to celebrate your lack of drama focus your attention on your feet touching the ground consider the kindness of the ground holding you up providing a path for you to get to things, not letting you fall away from everything else. And the transits that go with this come in pieces. So this transit that is a Mercury trine will bring in a new way of luck and dreaming and action, right? So this is from December 20th, 2022 to January 6th, 2023. Communications facilitating emotional stability. You've been analyzing the way you attach meaning to the world. You will notice frictionless movement in the way you naturally possess process emotion. Try to be more generous than you usually are. When you make room to speak about what exists, you no longer have to spend time wondering about everything left unsaid. This acceleration will see its beginnings in a need for action relating to the new ideas you've been craving. A surprising event will quickly change the steps you're taking to reach this goal. This situation will move incredibly quickly. Be ready. And this is because in my chart, Mercury is currently four signs or 120 degrees away from where the moon was when I was born. The angle is called a trine, which is like one of the most positive aspects and is quickly moving. 
Mercury stands for thinking and communications, and the moon represents my emotional world. Now, that was communications facilitating emotional stability. So my communication center is right where the moon was when I was born. So I'm at a very crucial point of emotional stability and standing in that communication and knowing that is where I'm supposed to be. The next section, stress creating constraints. And this is from January 5th, 2023 to January 6th, 2023. So this ends today. Stress creating constraints. You're vacillating between a bored hyperconfidence and extreme insecurity. Take time for yourself, but don't overindulge. And this is interesting because the moon is currently exactly 90 degrees away, which is three signs, 90 degrees away from where Jupiter was when I was born. That angle is called a square and squares are friction points and irritability points. It mar- it, it's marked with frustration, tension, and irritation. The moon stands for my emotional world and Jupiter represents growth and imagination. So my emotional world is a friction point for my growth and imagination to flow. Because Jupiter is all about luck a lot of the times. And that transit is through, is going to end today. I've been feeling a little iffy about a lot of things going on with those transit pieces. Ah, here is Mr. Ali Bocas. Come on up. You know you want to. Good evening, friend. Good evening. What I've been reading so far is a brief overview of the co-star day. And this next section, I think you might like it. It says tenderness facilitating growth. And this transit is from January 6, 2023 to January 15, 2023. You have a desire for indulgence in your career and ambitions. You will notice frictionless movement in the fields of your natural talents. Troublemaking decisions may prove harmful right now. Ask a friend for advice if you need to. Few things move more quickly when you are motivated by something good. This acceleration will see its beginnings in your day-to-day as it concerns your career or social life. A surprising event will quickly change the people you talk to every day. This situation will move incredibly quick. Be ready. And this is because Venus is currently four signs away or exactly 120 degrees away from where Jupiter was when I was born. That angle is called a trine and it brings positivity and acceleration. Venus stands for pleasure and Jupiter represents growth and imagination. So wouldn't you say it's been a a get to it kind of week? Well, certainly because I'm always a get to it kind of person. Yeah, now what I want y'all to know is this man gave me a good firm kick in the ass to get this type of process started. That's why I feel like he would just enjoy hearing that piece. 
and it's a frictionless motion. Mm. It's going with ease. Because the planet of luck is on our side. The planet of luck. Which planet is that? Jupiter. Oh, so Jupiter is the planet of luck. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of the nicknames. It's a lucky. Okay. Expansive. It's the growth and imagination planet. But growth and imagination usually brings a good amount of luck as well. All right. I uh, was unaware. I mean, I don't know much. You know, my my wheelhouse is uh, numerology, so um, I, I'm learning from you about a lot of this in this area mm -hmm. of uh, astrology. This has been my favorite for a while. Like, I love it. Um, no. Hmm? No, so, you know, today is a full moon, right? Mm-hmm. It's so crazy how the week has uh, flown by for me so quickly. The full uh, moon is that expansion point. It's the release. Yeah. Today is already Friday. It's really ridiculous. And it's a full moon in Cancer as well. So the moon is at home in its happy place in Cancer. Cancer is the home placement of the moon. Cancer is the home placement of the moon. I don't know what that means. Um, each sign has a ruling planet. You know how Aries is ruled by Mars. Pluto rules Scorpio. Libra and Taurus are both ruled by Venus. The sun is Leo. The moon is Cancer. So it's mother and father. All right. So with Cancer being... It being a cancer full moon, the moon is fully happy where it is. So it's like a frictionless movement. Mm. Nothing's in opposition at this point. Okay. And the motion that it has, it's like the emotional body is stabilized in cancer. But there are signs like Taurus that are exalted by the moon. Their positive aspects are brought in stronger by the moon. Hmm. Positive aspects are brought in stronger by the moon. Mm -hmm. Like certain planets have a certain energy. With Taurus being ruled by Venus, when it's in conjunction with the moon, the emotional body and the love life are harmonious. It brings a certain amount of harmony to it. Mm. Then you have placements like my son. My son is in Aries. My moon is in Taurus, but my Venus is also in Aries. And Aries Venus is called a detriment. It's a place where a planet doesn't perform at its highest rate. It will be a friction point. Some, something that I will have to work on. Hmm. Okay. So, right now, <clears throat> the reading that you're doing is uh, based on your astrological um, significance. Yes, this is the co-star of the day. 
and it gives i love it because it gives the charts the aspects and the the degrees with a verbal description of what it's supposed to do mm. and okay. it's a free app so and are you using which one is it astro seek or is this another one this is co-star co-star mm-hmm. okay now astro seek is another one of my favorites now, I didn't see any links here, so you didn't put any? I, oh, yeah, I got to put my links in so they can go to the app. I so, today. so what you can do while the room is open is uh, you can um, go to the bottom of the screen where there's three dots that say more. Mm-hmm. And then you can edit the room. And... Mm-hmm. You'll see in the edit, there's a bunch of stuff there, but you can scroll where you see links. Okay, so I can add the link to it so they can look it up as well. Right, so you can add that link, then just make sure you hit that little plus. Mm-hmm. And it should add it, and then you got to go down and hit save so that you save the room, or else it won't uh, change what you've got there. Okay. Oh, it adds it. It hyperlinks it as the... Right. It puts it in that link bar there. And then uh, and then you can also put the link to your blog as well. The blog that you have, the WordPress, if you oh, want yeah. to. Add that as well. See, I told you this man's a powerhouse. I'm just a boy whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Hey. You do not pass me by. So are you finding it uh, simple enough to navigate? Yeah, it's quite easy. Good. All right. Just making sure. I'm really liking Colin. It's it's pretty much social audio where I can write descriptions and come up with it and it's sending it out to all of my socials as well. There we go. It popped up. So I see mm-hmm. one. There's one link so far. When you share with CoStar, it shares a picture, not the actual link. So they would just have to download the app. Um, the, you mean Colin? Mm, no, CoStar. Okay. Um, so I don't see the. I see your 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 um, WordPress, but I don't see uh, the the other link, CoStar, there yet. Did you add it? It sends it as a picture instead of CoStar. The app. Uh, right. But what I'm saying is, did you put the link? Like, just like how you added your WordPress, it doesn't have a link? Mm-mm. It sends the, the quote of the day, not the actual chart. No, I'm not asking that. You see, everything on the web, like a web page, has a link. Like your sicilygoose.wordpress.com. Does this CoStar thing, does, does it have, is it an app or or what do you, how are you, 
you said something was free online, so I'm a little bit confused because I thought you were going to share the link to something that you were using. Oh, yeah. I got That would be AstroSeek, the free okay. link. Okay. So, because I was, I'm kind of confused because I thought that you said there was something else other than AstroSeek that you were using because I asked about AstroSeek. So, that's why, that's the first place why I even said a link to what you were working with. Yes, I I, I get you now. I get you now. <clears throat> the CoStar app does not allow to send out the link to just my chart. Oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about to the to the app itself. Like, because I'm sure that people don't really want to look at your chart all the time. They might want to find out how to get the app or you get a link to it so they can do it themselves. That's what I was saying. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's not allowing that link to come through. Okay. I don't know why that one's not doing So, and what, and what is it called? It's called CoStar? CoStar. And this is an app? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. Okay. Well, yeah, it's simply, uh, there's an overview. Hold on. Hmm. Okay, I see it's on Google Play. Uh, Oh. Yeah, okay, so... Yes. All right. So I'm gonna send. I'm gonna share a link, and I'm gonna send it to. Um, first, I'm gonna put it. So all you have to do is copy this. So first, thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put it in the chat, but then uh, I'm gonna send it to you, and then you just copy it and paste it into the same way that you did your. Oh, you did it. No, that's AstroSeek. Okay, hold on. Let me send you the CoStar one. Yeah, it just showed up. I'm going to copy that one and pop that one in there as well. Well, I know it's in the, the uh, but I just sent it to your text. So there you go. Yep, got that one too. Come on, Cicely. Get, get with the program. I'm learning, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> Because I got all three up now, and now that I have them saved, Good. I can use them for every yep. chat. There you go. So you got hyper personalized, you got AstroSeek, and you got that. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing is just to be able to have them on hand so you can do stuff like this when you do presentations. See, one of the things I've been talking to people a lot about is that this app can be used to do master classes, like because of the fact that you have. You, like, for example, we're here as speakers, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can have somebody, you can have, you can have people in the audience as listeners, right? So that could be the class, right? So there's, a, there's all the students in the class as the listeners. And then when a student wants to raise their hand, they simply hit call in. And they call in, they can raise their hand, they can talk for a little bit, and then they go back down into the, the, the listening, listener's room. So it has three different sections. And you can also make anybody a moderator. Like as a host, you can make me a moderator um, or leave me as a speaker. And so then, for example, if we're doing something together, is that I can then help moderate by letting people up to call and do all this other different things like that. 
And so, and also, the one benefit of making me a moderator too is now, I'm not sure if it does it with with, with speaker, but I do know that as a moderator, it will show up in your. Uh, hello, Brady. How you doing? It will show up in your um, uh, show show tab as a. Uh, I mean, my show as a show that I've been on. Like it'll show up in my my shows that I've been on automatically, um, as if almost in the same way as it shows up in your library if I were to start the room. And so it helps to promote it and put it out there more. And we're, um, since this is this is the first one you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're done, then what you're going to do is go into your show, um, which is uh, – wait a minute. Let me look at this here. Oh, so it's just called – wait a minute. What is your, what is the show we're on here? Astrology with Sicily? Is that what the show is called? Or no, mm-hmm. that's the, t- the title of this – um, room. Anyway, um, when you, yeah, yeah, silly. Oh, Sicily Goose Media. Um, I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, you can go into edit, and then what you can do is, um, then toggle on the uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and um, Spotify Podcast. So then it'll generate and create the shows for all of those. But it, but again, you can only do it once the show is completed and you publish it okay and then you'll have yeah and then you'll have the ability to do that and we can go through the whole publishing um if you need help with it later that's awesome <clears throat> yeah yeah definitely get to it. oh yeah we're cooking with grease it's a grease fire. So, I wanted to go into this next section that might pique your interest a little bit. Okay. And this is the section on it on the Coast Star app says power. So, this is I'm reading from the power transits and what's powerful in my chart right now. And the next one is Actions Facilitating Growth. And this is from December 2022 to February 7th, 2023. An impulsive decision has affected your material possessions or sense of security. You will notice frictionless movement in the fields of your natural talent. Troublemaking decisions may prove harmful right now. Ask a friend for advice if you need to. You already knew. The secret is to really begin. This acceleration will see its beginning in your day-to-day as it concerns resources. A surprising event will quickly change how you create a workspace, the technology you attach yourself to, or the tools you feel most familiar with. This situation will move incredibly quickly. Be ready. And this is because... Mars is currently 120 degrees away from where Jupiter was when I was born. The angle is called a trine and it brings positivity and acceleration to whatever you work on. Mars stands for actions and Jupiter represents growth and imagination. Hmm. And so how do you interpret that? What does it mean to you? 
happening with the how long the transit is. It's like a harmonious accent in the chart. It's like whatever I begin in self moves in a way that is absolutely perfect. It looks like luck, but it's really taking action. Mm-hmm. Taking action on the growth and expansion of Jupiter and, and optimizing the strength that it's bringing. Optimizing the strength that it's bringing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you look at angles in a birth chart, the degree is how concentrated or how powerful that piece is in your chart right now. So trines are highly favorable, highly favorable. A lot of times they call them the triangle of God because they're really pushing for that revolutionary growth and expansion. The triangle of God. Mm-hmm. Also called a yod, Y-O-D. Mm. Oh, that's, well, that sounds like a Hebrew character, yod. Mm-hmm. Now you see how all of the old languages apply to astrology as well? Somewhat. Using the Hebrew and the cal- it really was like the original calendar. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Uh, hmm? I don't know uh, much about it. It's like the astrological calendar used to be the only calendar we had at one point. So a lot of sciences were based off of astrology and astronomy. Astronomy is like mapping the stars exactly where they are. Astrology is how these stars relate to us and human nature and the stories behind it that kind of sort of give that psychological principle to it. Hmm. Like spicy psychology, the old version. (laughs) Spicy psychology. <laughs> That's what I like to call it because it's very, it can get very spicy, dicey, and call you clean out on a lot of things you're not willing to look at otherwise, but it's for growth points. Hmm. So when we look at degrees and angles, 90 degrees is an exact point, and those are called friction points. That's where things are moving past each other and they're creating fire or a spark in it because a lot of people look at it as a bad thing that you have a square somewhere but squares are opportunities to look at the triggers you're having right now and moving past them Hmm. okay Like with compatibility charts, if people see a lot of squares when they're talking to somebody or looking at their charts in tandem, it's like, oh, it's a lot of squares. There's a lot of friction points to grow through in that relationship. Friction points. Like rough spots? Yeah. But if you overcome them, you come out stronger. Stronger. 
If you don't, you just repeat the lesson when the circle goes back around one more time. Hmm. Intriguing. Mm -hmm. I'm still confused by astrology. <laughs> um, it's, it's a self-study. It takes so long to study. It's something you have to sit down and look at because each individual chart is like a diary. Yeah, I can see that. It's pretty involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, now this is a good one. This has been a problem for me for a little while. It's a square in my chart. And this is from November 26, 2022 to March 20th, 2023. So this stops a week before my birthday. Realism causing disempowerment. Your vision has been clear regarding your career and ambitions. You may notice a feeling of frustration. You're going to have to address the deepest part of your psyche. The old ways of the world are what led us here. Your intuition is strong right now. Trust it. These frustrations will arise due to circumstances and significant relationships where they meet your career or social life. Be patient with things you've been working on with friends. You will have to do something that you don't normally do or that you've never done before. Do it, even if it's a struggle. And this is because Saturn is currently at a 90 degree angle from where Pluto was when I was born. The angle is called a square and it's marked with frustration, tension, and irritation. Saturn stands for limits and realism. And Pluto represents power and transformation. So what this means to me is I'm going through a transition or transformation of the limits of realism and where my power lies in this and how I can reclaim my power through the realism. Not being delusional about being the grandest thing in the world, but accepting my power as what it is and allowing it to transform my life within my career. And on a side note, I'm going through Saturn's return where Saturn is at the point where I was born at. Saturn is coming out of that place because now it's in Pluto. But in the beginning, Saturn was right where it was when I was born. And that is the what I like to call a tower moment. Anything that's not built on your firmest of foundations will be snatched from you because it's time to transition to the next phase. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds like a lot. Oh, yeah. And it happens from about 28 to 31, depending on how your chart moves and how slowly your planets are moving. Mm. Because the inner planets like Mars, Mercury, Venus move quickly. The outer planets like Saturn and Uranus move a little slower. I would start um, uh, pronouncing that Uranus. <clears throat> Uranus. Not Uranus. <laughs> I'm I'm a little I'm I I have that little boy humor. Um, <laughs> it just it's Uranus. 
Well, I heard you say talking about it earlier. I forget where I heard you earlier. You were talking about. You said your your Uranus somewhere was it last night or this morning? You were talking to you on astrology. Maybe it was this morning. It's this morning. Uranus is moving into a where was it? I can actually read that aspect. Where is it? That's Saturn. Uranus is moving in places you ain't supposed to be. That's what I'm saying. Get Uranus in action kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I'll do that when you get Uranus out of my... (laughs) That's how I know you play too much. So. Yo, you know what's so funny? Is, um... Somebody called the police on me um, because they because they got a flash of my my Glock um, as I was walking into the bookstore. And so the police came in, one came in and then they went and ordered some coffee and then walked by me in front of my table while I was reading. And then another one came in and ordered something, too, and then walked by me. But they were trying not to, like, look like to make it obvious. (laughs) But I'm sitting there, like, I, like usually, you know, um, I keep it concealed, like, really well, mm-hmm. you know, um, even though it's an open carry, right, state, and, mm-hmm. but I also do have a concealed weapons permit, um, but it just got a little flash, and, um, but they, they left. They could be waiting for me outside, so who knows, but. Mm, be careful. Yeah. I don't need to get in any shootouts today. Yeah, we need you here. It's important. <laughs> oh, I found it. I found it. I found Uranus and where it's at. <laughs> oh, yeah? Tell me. May 5th, 2022 through mm. July 31st, 2024. Creativity facilitating transcendence. You might take a risk having to do with your self and self-image. You will notice frictionless movement in your true calling to transcend the mundane. Let yourself lose control. Be prepared. This acceleration will see its beginnings in the new ideas you've been craving along with circumstances needed for action. A surprising event will quickly change the steps you're taking to reach your goals. This is an incredibly quick move. Be ready. And this is because Uranus, Uranus, Uranus. <laughs> yeah, look, you pronounce it however you want. Don't make me confuse you. <laughs> I, I'm country. We say Uranus. All right. Is currently four signs or 120 degrees away from where Neptune was when I was born. That angle called a trine brings positivity and acceleration. And Uranus stands for innovation, and Neptune represents transcendence and inspiration. So I have been inspired to transcend the mundane lifestyle through innovation and inspiration. And I like to say, you inspire me, my friend. You inspired me to move into this new world of technology without fear. 
it's a technology. it's like all the technology, new apps, all of these things. Yeah, well, you know, it's just like anything else, right? Of course, technology that um, people can, you know, misuse it or um, actually even have it use them. Yeah. Without them knowing it. It really will. And I've been letting technology use me. Now I'm trying to take it by the balls and use it myself. Yeah, we got to. We got to. We got to do something about it. Fortunately, you know, I've been well aware of it for a long time, um, and I've been a user of technology. But it's got me kind of in a we're we're kind of in a standoff because um because now I've I've figured out how to um, transcend being dominated by technology because I, I know that I don't need to be reliant on it because I've made a lot of copies and, and basically pretty much almost cloned everything um, that I'm about offline. You know, so that I have hard copies and, and um, you know, offline versions of everything that I do and handwritten versions and all that kind of stuff. But I still have like a semi-dependence on it because I favor the quickness of communication and the ability to share and all that. So for me, it would just be like feeling an inconvenience more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But to, to not have the tech, but, you know, that, that feeling is still there. I just, I would like to keep it around, but hey, I'm willing to have to let it go if need be. Indeed, indeed. I feel like even if the internet shut down today, you'd be one of those people that would still be fine. Yeah, I mean, I know that. I've been preparing for that uh, that situation for a long time. But like I said, I would just rather not have to deal with that. Oh, yeah. When I shared the link to the chat on... Twitter and Instagram, it shows up yeah. with your app name as well. So that's a really good. I don't have to search for you to put you in there. You're in there. Oh, you you mean on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says uh, you're um, listening to or says listen to such and such with with you and Hakeem, right, or Unique Olympium, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the cool. Yeah. Um. I mean, these things have. These apps have really great shareability functions. I mean, I'm really impressed with how they they share out. They make it very convenient to share the information. I mean, that's because they want people to use it. So they better get on making it as shareable, as share-friendly as possible, you know? Yeah, because I shared it on Instagram, and it popped up on the stories, too. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And then and as you go along, you'll start to learn how to share them more and more. And that's the thing. That's the thing about um, collaborating because, like, if you share it and you do that, you know, and both of us eventually start working on a sharing, um, like, strategy, then both of us are doubling up on that. And that's the social proof formula. And from there, that's the thing that's going to get it shared out as many stages as possible. Really, really make it take off. 
know, this is this is good. It is. And we've already been on for like an hour. Well, almost. It's about 40, 48 minutes. minutes. Yeah, 48 minutes. <laughs> yep, so. That's good. I'm really pleased with how all of it works out and turns out. And tonight should be a good night at the Central uh, 111. I stand make a minimum of $200 tonight, 100 in cash, 100 that's going to be made on the payroll. Um, doing all right. I'm, but now I'm really going to rein in my my uh, sharing and paying of people, like because people have been just disappointed. You know, I'm not upset. I had a little bit to spare with like that woman with Cheetos. I felt like she helped me out. To not even say thank you, and it's been two days now. Not even acknowledge. You too far away from the mic. You must be packing up, getting ready to go to work. Oh, uh, what? I found far away from the mic. Mm hmm. This microphone is not, uh, this is fucking, I hate this thing. See, this is, I, you know, I, this, that's what, some of the apps are different. Like, this should be, this is a boom mic. It should be going right into the, uh, in the microphone, not into the device. That sucks. That See, now you're clear. Happening. Right, because I pulled it out of my pocket. Wow. Hold on for a second. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. So this is throwing me away then, right? Yes. This is fucking stupid. I hate man, I gotta figure this out. This 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 is bomb. Alright. It sucks. <clears throat> I don't like it. I don't like it at all. See if I was on wisdom, I could walk away from my device and because it would be picking up from the microphone in the the headset itself, the the, the audio accessory, the headphones. It would be using their microphone and everything. The only way that I can that I found to get the microphone to work is when it's plugged into the cord. But this is dumb because now this is only going into the phone. So what's to me? It's like what's the point in even using headphones or a headset when I'm on calling if if when I walk away from the device with a headset on, it doesn't come through that microphone. You know what I mean? It's like isn't right. that the whole point of Bluetooth? Calling, fix that fucking shit. <laughs> And, and there, there may even be some kind of interface thing that I do. Like, let me see. If let me try something else. It could even be the um, the device that I'm using it for. So let's try this. Eight, two, three. All right. So let's see. What account is this in here? I could 
go here, okay. I'll be right back. All right. My co-host had to take a brief intermission. And now from a message from our sponsors. Have you ever seen the lost people of the world wandering around? Try Uranus. Uranus is here for innovation, and we have a good piece of innovation within it. So if you're wandering around lost, look at Uranus. And that's our brief message from our sponsors. All right. Back. All right. So now let's try something out. No, we test it now. All right. Can you hear me? Oh, mm-hmm. bullshit. Hold on for a second. Dude, this is this is absolute and total malarkey. Oh, hold on. So annoyed. So you can hear me here, right? Mm-hmm. All right. What about now? Yes. What about now? It's a little quieter, but it's still. Right, but 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 you can hear me. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, that's it. It's just it's, it's the software because I just walked all the way across the whole fucking store with this headphone on, 
and it, so it's different. It's 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 difference between using my iPhone and using the Android. So when I use the iPhone, I can be a distance away from the phone. I can put it in my pocket. I can do all that. So it's uh, there's so see there's so much different interfaces going on, right? So you just have to figure out which ones are compatible with which. It's a little bit annoying, but hey, that's what it is. That's what you got to deal with. Got to figure it all out, and that's what I'm doing. So, so I'm gonna take a ride to uh, the Central 111, and you can continue to tantalize me with your astrology wisdom. I gotcha. Give me one second. I'm checking this code. I'm always trying to multitask and do all kind of crazy shit while I'm supposed to be doing something live. Oh, I know. Um, it's a it's a habit that a lot of us have gotten into. And I noticed, it's the, so anytime, and this is a fact, anytime you ever hear me stumble over any words or reading when I'm on uh, Wisdom or anywhere reading, it's because I'm distracted by something else. Yep. I do the same the, thing. It's the only time. I don't get flustered or miss words or mispronounce or misspell unless I'm I'm looking at something else. So that's how you know. Yep. Over here doing stuff and moving around. Where's my book bag? I've gotta find my other bag. I kinda like calling because it's like open conversation. Well, yeah. I mean, also, there's no censoring. They don't have any AI bots running around here trying to tell you you can't say certain things. I mean, yeah. of course, there's no hate speech and, and, like, really ridiculous stuff like that, you know, like abuse to children and racism and all that. But, you know. Ooh. It must be cold where you are. Oh, it's cool, but that's not it. It's just... um. Everyone's want I gotta clear out the nose. Clear out the sinuses. The sinuses must be cleared. Because if your sinuses aren't cleared, you're going to have some issues. Yeah. So here's where uh, the rubber meets the road. With your bright yellow helmet. Mm. Yes. Now let's go. I'm going to go back into some more of this astrology chat because the basis of the chart, and a lot of people only get just their sun sign. They know that, hey, I'm this. I like you. You're a Virgo. <laughs> and a lot of people see that as that's all there is. You're a Virgo. It's like, okay, Virgo, that's it. But each person has 24 individual placements uh -huh. in every chart. 24 individual placements. Yep. That make up like a fingerprint of just your birth. Mm. Well, that's pretty extensive. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a lot to study. It's a lot to study, but once you get a hang of it, it's like, okay, 
it's a lot to study. So when you look at it, one of the major things when you get to the free birth chart calculators or the birth chart readers yeah. is when you're looking at your chart, <clears throat> your chart is where you put yourself in the center. You're the center of your chart. So if you're the center of your chart, you get this piece of what is affecting me in this chart at this moment. And people like to look at it as the earth is the center, but we already know we're on earth. Now, the interesting thing is if we were to do a birth chart of somebody born on Venus, it would be totally different because they were born on Venus. So Venus would be the center and they would be on it. So Earth would actually be an astrological planet. Makes sense. So the focal point with self would just change around. Which then completely confirms to me that astrology, like what you said before, is simply a branch, is, is part of astronomy. Mm-hmm. Because if the astral bodies are having that effect and they're related by where you are and where you were born, that can, that can only mean that. And it's definitely having to do with the physical, uh, the physical energies of the planetary bodies. Yes. Hi, Misha. How you doing? Hello, Misha. I don't see anybody coming in and out of the room, so... Um, and I don't know how my, how my how well my signal will be, so everyone's why I'm going to mute out um, while I'm on the ride. Um, Misha was in a room earlier. Um, I was on calling earlier. I had actually called into a room with Masha and a Mr. Uh, so- Suri, and they were talking about civil war and. Um, you know, just different implications about that and, you know, the whole Republican-Democrat debates that quite often go on here on Colin. And my quick statement and question was threefold. It was, my statement was, I'm one of those apathetic um, people who become complacent about voting. And so my question to both of them on the show was, uh, first of all, what are the consequences of somebody not voting and becoming complacent and not wanting to vote anymore? And then what can someone do to uh, become more involved or to get more motivated to be part of the the democratic process? And they both gave really good answers. Um, And I kept it short. And then I listened to the whole show until the end. I was invited up to speak by Masha, um, but... But I was talking to Rodney Williams on the phone, and so because he needed some help with uh, something on Spreaker, and so uh, and then by the time I finished and I was about to go, go in, because I really like Masha and I wanted to talk to her, but uh, as soon as I got on the phone and I was about to call in, she ended the show. So, but it's okay. Dad, you know, man. All, all in due time. Um, and the first time I saw Masha was on a show with another woman named Caitlin, 
who identifies as a TERF, a trans-exclusive radical feminist. And uh, it was just interesting. They're very insightful people. A lot of people that are on Colin are highly intelligent and insightful. I mean, have a lot to say. Some people just uh, uh, are maybe saying things that are just rote memory and not really know what they're saying, but they use it to argue. Like, you know, one of the, the stupidest arguments I've heard, and I've heard people repeat this before, and this is why I know people are brainwashed drones. Hmm. I've heard people several times in, who don't know each other, who are not connected in any way, repeat that China should not exist. And those exact same words. Why? Is there any logic exactly. behind it? Exactly. Well, there probably is. But my point is, is that when, when you hear people across different places in different parts of the world who don't know each other saying that, you know they picked that up from somewhere and it's a brainwash. Yeah. And another one is this. Another one is this. He's a climate change denier. So there's people who say that stuff and they start arguing about it. I'm like, that is the stupidest thing to argue about. So it, it's so ridiculous, the stuff that people want to argue about politically. That's why I don't get into these arguments and I don't have these conversations and I keep my questions and talks about it short and why I don't get involved in all this because as a clinical hypnotist, somebody who studied hypnosis and brainwashing uh, since academically in school, in, in, a, in a, a department of education um, recognized school, by the way, and a school that still is kind of on the fringe and the edge because, you know, people really don't, a lot of people look at hypnosis like something to believe in. Like, I don't believe in hypnosis. It's not a belief system. It's a science, right? right. And, there's a, and there's a lot of things involved into it. It's a behavioral science, very closely related to psychology, um, but it's, it's actually one of the more effective branches of psychology because it gets to the root of the problem. Anyway, um, so I can see these things, but a lot of people don't see it. And, of course, just like uh, something that's brought up about the movie The Matrix, that a lot of people who are in The Matrix, who are plugged in, will fight to stay in The Matrix even if you point it out to them. Yes. And so it's a big problem. And so they don't care that I have a degree in clinical hypnosis or that way before that. Um, like maybe, let's see. That, not, that eight years earlier, before I even went to clinical hypnosis school, I was already studying it, but I, I knew mm -hmm. it as auto-suggestion, and that the only reason why I went to school for it was because I had already been an expert in it for eight years, since I was 19 years old, um, and that I just got the, the piece of paper you know, from an accredited Department of Education recognized school, and I say that because some of those things matter to people, right? Yeah. And... Um, and it's just very interesting, though, that they will fight tooth and nail to keep to hold on to their um, their brainwashing. And I just think it's funny. And you can tell when people repeat the same things. They say the same exact words in the same exact order. And it's like, you don't find that suspicious? I find that suspicious. You don't find that, I find that <laughs> suspicious. Like, they yeah. spout the same programming over and exactly. over and over again. And it's you know, the exact um, same. You know... Years ago, um, when I first went to hypnotherapy school, when I was like one of these radical conspiracy theorists, <laughs> hold on, there's a lot of cars passing by, um, I remember being in a sports bar with my friend John Klein, 
and it was an it was an uh, um, a South African themed sports bar um, called Amber Bach or something Bach or something like that. Something Bach. I forget what it was called. Not Amber Bach. Amber Bach is the name of a, a beer. Oh, it's called Springbok. Ah, shit. Springbok. Yeah, Springbok in, in California. And uh, so it was a bar called Springbok. And so the all, it was a sports bar, and there's all these different football games on the televisions, right? It's like a typical sports bar. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I know now this is because of the Associated Press and just the way advertisements are set up, but it doesn't mean that it's not brainwashed programming. Every single football game when they went to commercial, had the exact same string of commercials in the exact same order on every channel. Wow. But different football games. And I was Talk looking at this it. like, yeah, I was looking at this like, holy crap, because that's how they sell it. You know, everybody gets these spots, right? So there's like, so it seems like there's one main hub of like media buying and everybody just gets that spot and then it just gets sold to all the, uh, the different places, but the fact of the matter is that that doesn't that doesn't show that there's any individuality in any of these uh, these media channels. They're all basically spouting the same thing, wanting everybody to buy the same stuff, the same big brand names that can afford it, and it's in the exact same order. And, and every huh? I got a caveat for this because I can yes, correlate please, it go. to astrology. When I've noticed, I took a Harvard course. It was a free course on divination and predictions and astrology was on there room casting hear see all of these things and tarot card was on there a lot of tarot card and astrology readers function like news broadcasters where they spout that same rhetoric and it's the same story with just a different person telling it over and over again but they're just tapped into a stream of knowledge and they feed off of each other It has a whole feed to it. Hi, you guys. I got some. I got some new listeners. Hey, Jade. Hey, Fahim. How y'all doing? Hello. Hello, everyone. I can't see you in there because my phone, my device is in my pocket as I'm riding my bike to uh, run my security crew over at Central 111. Um, yes, but this is a uh... holy crap. The light just changed right in the middle of my crossing. <laughs> Be careful. Jeez. <laughs> Risking life and limb to be on an astrology chat. That's right, everybody. And uh, tonight's going to be a busy night. Because it's Friday, of course. So all the people are going to be partying. And that's why I make the big bucks at the door. Hmm. Um... Me and Dan, I call him Dan Enforcer because he's an ex, a former Marine, but he's like a really, and you know, now he like lifts weights and he's a fitness trainer, but he's just a, he's a pretty solid guy. Like he's not one of your typical bouncers who are hot-headed and, and are looking for fights because he's been in the shit, you know, mm-hmm. and he's real chill, but he's just very matter of fact and very serious and he's really a pleasure to work with because he gets the job done and uh, he's not hot-headed like a lot of these other guys. He's 40 years old. Also, but that doesn't mean anything because even when I first started working as a bouncer 20 years ago, there were guys who were, you know, pushing 50 and more and were still idiots. So, you know, age does not determine wisdom, people. It doesn't. I'm learning that very quickly. 
But what you said about the astrology and how these things match up and how the cycles kind of rule a lot of stuff, I see that too. There are because I see that there are nested cycles and that there are cycles within cycles. And so maybe even a lot of these uh, organizations that that peop that may be even conscious and maybe doing like mind control stuff like that intentionally, they're still being controlled and they're just playing a role in the whole system that's been planned way even bigger than them, you know? Yes, it's astrology relates to the interconnection of you to your outer world and the outer world of the stars. So you have your inner circle, which is your individual 24 placements. And then you have the outer world because a lot of people don't know that places like America has a birth date. When the Declaration of Independence was signed, that was America's birth date. And we are now at America's Pluto's return. So that transformative power change energy is flowing fully in full effect because it's at its birth date, basically. So when you're saying that these systems are interconnected and then there's somebody pre-planning the system, what I do know from reading the art of war before wars were waged or before any public action was taken they would consult with the divination astrology is a form of divination for a lot of people china it would probably be the I Ching. yes but they're all based off of astrology and astronomy but we tend to separate so, yeah. them out and call them false sciences or false beliefs and i'm like astrology is more of a language to understand what's going on and less of a belief system because you don't have to believe any of it to know where the stars are and what this means you don't have to believe in anything for that that's right relevant oh. science to, and record keeping to be there while you're while we're here um do, maybe you can do this. Um, go to my website, uh, hypnoathletics.com, and then type in the search bar geophysics, and it'll bring up that article. Of, it says hypnoathletics, something about geophysics and astrology. And it's an article that goes in depth about that and brings in a lot of science, specifically seasonal affective disorder, circadian rhythms, um, and uh, astrophysics about the distance of the sun and everything like that and the seasons and how that might have effects on uh, the characteristics that are, um, that are, that are witnessed or, what am I saying, that are um, observed in the, the different signs. Yes. And <clears throat> that's where astrocartography comes in where you lay your birth chart across a world map. And a lot of times you can see pieces where I would say if a person born with the Tropic of Capricorn would do well in colder environments, but a person born at the Tropic of Cancer which is the summer equinox versus the winter equinox. If you're born more towards the winter equinox, the winter won't affect you as much. But if you're born more towards the summer equinox, boy, you could be diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder. Because you were born in a time when there's a lot of sunlight. And mm -hmm. so 
Exactly. That's that's in my my article. That's in the paper, which is you can find it also on ResearchGate. Um, but yeah, um, that's exactly. the whole. And that's why I believe astrology is one of the oldest languages in understanding people, places, and things. Because even animals have birth charts. Businesses have birth charts. Twitter's birth chart has been discussed in depth on Twitter by astrologers just as a conversation piece. Like, yeah, this is when Twitter was started and this is its birth chart. So all of these my business. Hmm. Business in, in uh, when I registered it in uh, in Virginia Beach, I, I wasn't paying attention to it, but I accidentally or not accidentally registered it on a numeral, which is a day our money and fame. You going in? Okay. okay. I was saying that I did that with my business. I did my business according to uh, the, um, are you able to hear me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did my business according to, by accident, I registered it on a power, money, and fame numeral eight. Or maybe not accidentally, right? Like maybe I subconsciously did it. But power, money, and fame is something that you want to do. You want to register a business under is a numeral eight because... That, that shows that your business will be successful because that's what a business is supposed to do, right? Is make money. So, you're going through the ethers. I think you're going through a dead zone. All right, hold on. Now, what I'm discussing here is the fact that businesses have birth dates and what Hakeem is saying is that he established his business on a day where money was prevalent in numerology. Numerology and astrology go hand in hand because astrology is based on numbers, angles, and signs. Numerology is based purely on numbers. So it's like two languages from the same species, so to speak, or it's from the same derivative. And they interconnect in a way that this year, 2023, breaks down to a numeral seven. And funny enough, I'm a life path seven. So this is like a lucky year for me in business because this is the life path number. It breaks down into the number seven. So when you hit seven, it's like, okay, lucky number seven, 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 angel numbers, all of these things co-reliant ever since we found a way to speak on it. So when we're speaking on these numbers and how they interconnect in systems, it all goes back to mapping the stars. The stars were our original calendar. And of course, we've updated it and changed it to all of the things that we want it to be. But these stars stand in a place 
even though we're ever shifting, our planets are spinning, they come around to the same circle every time. That's why there have been rumors that astrology is the basis of the Kundalini going through each sign and house is a different level of ascension into the Kundalini experience. And one thing the I've noticed is that it's, <laughs> thank you is the basis of all the things. Cause think about it. There were before there was language, there were stars Even in cave paintings. They had maps of stars and what they mean, like the great pyramids at one point lined up with, major astrological components and right. even now they study that in archaeoastronomy like how um, the, the belt of Orion lined up with uh, um, the Great Pyramid of Giza and the other two pyramids flanking it yes so it's like a direct access point and a lot of people think that the pyramids are just tombs they're not just tombs the sound they've shown that they're there's not a lot of bodies in there, so it only maybe the bodies of workers and not kings are there, so they're actually used for something else. Yes, and people have played instruments in there, and the acoustics are so wonderful. It makes me think that they were temples to the stars instead of burial grounds. So in, in updates in Egyptology basically have definitively determined that they are definitely are not burial grounds. Like, if there are any bodies found in there, they were not meant to be there. It's like there was somebody who maybe was guarding it and allowed and, and maybe entombed themselves in there and made a, a small tomb. But there, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not where kings and things like that were buried, so that's for sure. Yeah, I think it was a temple because the top of the pyramids used to be coated in gold, like real gold. So... The acoustics in there, when you play sound or music, it vibrates at a rate that they say can heal people. You know how frequencies and sound frequencies heal people? That's what they're saying they were probably used for healing ceremonies yes. or there were, starting. There were sleep temples, and uh, they did a lot, of, yes, a lot of singing and chanting in there. And also, there's some speculation. There's a guy named Something Leeds Gallman who... Use sound to move gigantic bricks. So they even found that it's possible that those were even, uh, that sound was used to move them. But yes, frequency definitely is used to do a lot of pretty amazing things. So, um. It's definitely a think piece. And I was having a conversation today with one of my good friends, Miss Raquel. And she was talking about a theory she had about the Aurora Borealis. And a lot of times, the when I think about Aurora Borealis, I think of the energy storms. There are storms in the sky that create these lights and colors, what we call the northern I'm gonna light. Go in, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm going to go inside for a moment, so I might be silent for a minute. Okay, that's cool. So these lights in certain stances if you're too close to them or where their origin point is they cause electromagnetic frequencies they can start radios and pick up frequencies from god knows where and it just sounds like uh uh not necessarily static but if you've ever seen one of those old radios 
go on the fritz where it goes from one frequency to the next, every time a color flashes through the aurora borealis or the northern lights, it can pick up a different frequency on that radio wave. So these are actual waves of light and sound that cause a lot of equipment to go on the fritz. And, you know, there's another place in the world that causes a lot of electromagnetic signals to go on the fritz. And we call that the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's known that um, some some different places on Earth, because of density, the gravitational uh, forces are different. And, and, you know, also one thing that's well established is that um, sound frequencies heal or can destroy because there's so much research on that now, um, even to the point where, like, for example, one, um, in, a, in a very uh, physical sense, thing called trypsy, or it's also called shock wave therapy, where they send beams of, of uh, they send beams of uh, sound at the, the kidney stones to break them up into little pieces so that they can pass through the ureter more easily. Um, but then um, Otto Stanky at in Arizona, a physicist there, were doing research on frequencies to destroy the capsid cells of viruses, and they call it uh, ringing the death knell of virus by using uh, different sound and light waves. And then, of course, on and on, there's so much research on so many things like that, um, and as well as even using uh, cancer therapeutics so that instead of having, like chemotherapy toxifies the entire body because they put it in your body in hopes that it will get absorbed into the cancer cells, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they have targeted chemotherapy. Like, for example, in the case of ovarian cancer, they either take, like, the partner's sperm or a donor sperm, and they inject it in the person. But before that, they put doxyrubicin or one of the other cancer-fighting drugs in the head of the sperm, and once it reaches the site, of the of the ovarian cancer, they hit it with infrared light, which breaks open the head of the sperm and releases the cancer-fighting uh, therapy uh, chemicals right there instead of having it be inside the entire body. So, like, and, and so anybody who argues against the fact that frequencies of sound or light can be used to turn things on and off inside the body and all that stuff like that, they have no idea what they're talking about scientifically. And it's actually really easy to understand in science. Like, it's, it's not like a mystery. It's not like some far-fetched, like, out-of-control thing. It's the same thing that happens in basic things like photosynthesis, for example. It's just that they've, scientists have only now been able to figure out how to use it better. But we've always known, like, way back since Einstein, Einstein accidentally discovered something called the photoelectric effect, which is where we base um, photovoltaic cells on, solar cells, because he found that when certain frequencies of light hit a penny or copper, it causes an electrical charge or electromotive force. Um, and, and it's just... Yeah, and it's so it's so ridiculous because um, again, it's not like a mystery. But if you one of the best sciences out there that if people want to know anything about like all of this stuff having to do with physics and free radicals and all that stuff like that is to study um, quantum electrodynamics that was founded by Richard P. Feynman, um, and QED uh, is one of the the most successful physical uh, um, theories or applications of physics. Um, or actually what I, I should say better is one of the, the most successful physical models of light and electron interactions um, ever devised um, because they make a lot of successful predictions with it. And that's one of the things about science. So anyway, and, 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 and photon-electron interactions are everything. Matter is electric. It everything is. in the universe is electric for the most part because of electrons. 
makeup all matter. Yep. And those electrons are charged either positive or negative. And that's right. Well, the well, they have positrons, which positive. are positively charged, which are opposite of electrons. Um, and it's the only particle that we know so far that is, has the exact opposite electrical charge of electrons that has the exact same weight. Uh, um, when I say weight, mass, I should say, has the exact same mass ratio opposite of electrons. And um, so, and it's the antiparticle of it. But yes, yeah, so technically, yes, you can say that uh, electrons have positive and negative, but it's really the positron that's the exact opposite of the electron. Thank you for that, because I needed that, Positron. That sounds like a good band name, too. Coming to the stage, Positron. <laughs> I think that sounds cool. Also, another um, weird occurrence with electromagnetic fields that it ties to astrology is Mercury controls communication and technology. So there's a lot of technical issues during Mercury retrograde. And we're in Mercury retrograde to the 12th of this month. So it's a lot of that bouncing frequency that is kind of, it can kind of be interfering with regular life. There are pieces that just have not been working out for me based on Mercury being in retrograde and not in the retrograde that is closest to the planet I was born in. Oh, no. Good evening, Alana. How you doing? Welcome to the Astro Chat. So Mercury rules. If Mercury rules all forms of communication and technology is our newest form of communication, and I like to call cell phones black mirrors, they're magical. There are tiny pieces of metal that transmit frequencies across many, many platforms. And we would look at it as, oh, Mercury doesn't rule that. If it's a form of communication, that's Mercury's domain. That's why when Mercury goes retrograde, they always tell you to back up all of your files. Make sure you triple check before you close something. Why does it sound to me like your country ass is leaving out the R? You said retrograde. Isn't it retrograde? It, my country ass is leaving out the R. <laughs> Just like I say Uranus instead of Uranus. And speaking of, a message from our sponsors. Are you feeling tired? Are you running out of ideas? Do you not feel the points of growth? Try Uranus. <laughs> it's all <laughs> here for innovation. And that's literally what <laughs> Uranus is for. The planet of innovation and bringing about new life and new ideas. So it's the now, Jamel. Hmm? Somebody else. I'm going to put it on mute. So it's the opposite. And on the other side of Uranus, and yes, I'm childish and I like to say Uranus, <laughs> is Saturn. Saturn is about limits and realism. So when you have Saturn and Uranus on opposite sides of your chart, which is called an opposition when they're 180 degrees apart, you get this tug and pull to go against 
either go against the social norm or go back to the social norm. It's like growth expansion versus innovation. And a lot of people have been feeling that because Uranus and the outer planets move quite slowly. So it takes a couple of years for them to come out of transition. And I got a quick passage to read on Astros. No, this one's on CoStar. CoStar, if you look at some of the dates of how these things are going to move. Is that Jade? Oh, my God, you're so cute. I know Jade, you're you're a serious person, but that's a nice that's a nice photo. I'm just saying, I haven't seen that photo before. <laughs> you just pop back and look at your phone. Okay. Well, I'm I'm at I'm at the door now, and everything's kind of calm, so I can take it out and uh, and uh, be on here. Anyway, sorry. Please read your passage. Don't let me distract you. This is from Thinking and Creativity, and this passage is from December 17th, 2020 to March 10th, 2023. Changes causing distractions. You're experiencing large-scale change having to do with your career and ambitions. You will find yourself frustrated in the way you articulate yourself. These frustrations will see their beginnings in friendships as as they are connected to your career or social life. An endless array of irritation and obstacles will affect your career. Exercise patience, give things time, and the situation will calm. You don't have to make up your mind right away. And this is because Pluto is currently 45 degrees away where Mercury was when I was born. This angle is called a semi-square and is associated with frustrations, obstacles, and delays. Pluto stands for power and transformation, and Mercury represents thinking and communication. So Pluto is a very slow-moving planet. This transit is from December of 2020 to March 10th of this year. So that's a three-year period for it to move into its next position. So a lot of delays happen. A lot of pieces just seem like they're not working, but they are. It's just that square point of friction. And that's only semi-square. If it's fully square, it feels like a full section halt until it moves. And you can work around it for a little while. You just have to be really, really aware of where that frustration is coming from. So that's it's a good, it's a good thing mm-hmm. to get to the the root of the issues. You know, a lot of times people look at just the surface of things and the symptoms rather than where it's actually coming from. And I like to get to the actual root of the issue. That's why I love astrology, because it, it forces that perspective to shift into what is this trying to show me specifically? Not what is the symptom and what's popping up. What is this trying to show me at this point? And that's important. Because for any of the listeners, every person is more than just their birthday sign. Like I'm a birth sign Aries. But there are 24 unique placements that make up everyone's birth chart. And... Nahim is asking what are Libras about when you get a chance. 
Ooh, what are Libras about? Libras are ruled by Venus. Venus and Venus rules Taurus and Libra, and it's about the beauty of the world. Taurus is the material possession of Venus, and Libra is that ever giving fairness. Libras possess a lot of charisma if there aren't any squares in their chart anywhere else. And Fahim, if you want to look in the link section, there are two free birth chart calculators on there. There's a birth chart app and a birth chart website. If you have the time, we can look into that as well. And if you want to call in and ask a few questions, that can definitely help. But Libras are considered the beauty of the Zodiac. They have the beauty in art, poetry, music, or just in trying to keep their environments beautiful or their relationships they have beautiful. There's not a lot of conflict-loving Libras. They love drama. They love the mess, but they don't want to be in the midst of the mess or the drama. But they'll watch from a safe distance and try to be that balancing scale in the middle. Like, I can see both points. That's a very Libra-like statement. I can see both sides of this argument. I'm not going to take a side. I'm going to stay neutral. And that's a power of Libra as well. And Libras love love. It's a real big thing about loving love. Whether it's romantic love or platonic love. It's all about that love. Okay, Fahim, you're going to come up. Let's hear what you got. My call, by the way. Hello. Hi. And uh, so we say that Libras are also. You're going in and out just a little bit. So, um, I can't hear you. Maybe, maybe turn off the right down. Okay, say that again for me. How is it right? Is it down? You might want to try turning your Wi-Fi on and off. See if that helps you come in clearly. And if you want to come back up, come back up. But just check your connection and try it again because I really want to hear what you hear your questions. Oh, yeah. Hypnoathletics. You posted the link as well. Geophysical and hypnotic influences on observed correlations in astrology. And this is from 2012. Yeah, I've been doing this. I've been studying that stuff for a long time, man. I just don't, I just don't really get into it that, that much, you know, like astrology to me is like very complicated. So I stick with numerology because I can just work with, you know, whereas astrology has 12 signs, numerology has nine numerals, you know, of course there's the master numerals that make the 12 because you have 11, 22 and 33. So, eh, you know, um, and that's, that's, so that kind of makes up for it sometimes, but it's, uh, but I can do the calculations much more quickly than looking at the charts and things like that. So it's it's, it's like, I don't know, maybe astrology light. I don't know. Uh, but it does... <laughs> I wouldn't call it astrology light. It's like a, a separate 
entity very closely related, but I don't think yeah. it's astrology like because it's very in depth as well. Because there are um, in numerology, there are things that you can do where you have uh, um, thirds, like so you can break up the year into um, into thirds. So there's you know the first four months, the second four months, the third th four months that broken apart that have their own numerological significance. Every day has a numerological significance for each individual. Every month does, and every year. And then, then like, like I said, that's there's that triune, and then, then of course you have alphanumerics of your name. So yeah, there's there's a there's a lot that can go into it, but I I keep it very simple. Yeah, but that's pretty much a whole language in itself as well. That's a whole language and a very useful one because I'm definitely going to consult you when I get ready to open another business and be like, hey. What day is a great day to do this? Now, there are different days correlated with astrology. Monday is known as Moon Day. So that's the day of the moon and Tuesday. Oh, translation. <laughs> yes. Yes. Monday is the moon. Tuesday is Venus. I, let me let me check to make sure. I don't want to give. Awesome. Technically, tea, tea was day. They come a lot. Of, some of that comes from um, Nordic mythology. You have tea was day, which is Tuesday. Um, you have Wednesday, which is Odin's day. Woden's day. Odin's day. Thursday is Thor's day, and Friday is Frigga's day. <laughs> Saturday and, and Saturday is the day of Saturn, and of course Sunday is the day of the sun. So, yep, it's right there together. Oh, what planets? Now there is the planetary days of the week. Tuesday, Monday is ruled by the moon. Tuesday is ruled by Mars. Wednesday is ruled by Mercury. Thursday is ruled by Jupiter. Friday is ruled by Venus. That's the one. And Saturday is Jupiter? ruled by Jupiter. Yep. Jupiter is the Jupiter. It's also Jesus. It's also Thor. Um, and... Uh... Here with the other one. Oh, Zeus. Mm-hmm. Big Daddy Zeus. Saturday is ruled by Saturn, and Sunday is ruled by the sun. A literal translation. Ooh, Fahim asks, are Libras hopeless romantics? Yes, in a way, but it also depends on the 23 other unique placements in that chart. For a general Libras are ruled by the planet of love, so they love love in all forms. They love romance, movies, and seeing weddings. Like I'm a Virgo. Why am I like that? Because like, you're. I just, I just want to be in love and just want somebody to love me back and just be with me and stop being a fucking asshole. Or God, who says, you know, they say how God laughs when you make plans. Why do you? What, my plan was to have children with my wife, God. Why did you kill her? You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? You want to know why you're a hopeless romantic? Because I read your birth chart. You're a Venus in Leo. Leo is the playful romantic. God sent a humor. God sent. Thank you. <laughs> it's a playfulness to the love of Leo. So with Venus in Leo, you have God, this. You know, when you make plans. 
Ah, don't start. Good evening, Mace. How you doing? Welcome to the Astro Chat. Okay, you want to call in and got any Astro questions? Let me know. Here for him too, and if you can, you know, Fahim, she's going to be doing the show regularly. So, you know, whenever you have better um, signal and stuff like that. I know somebody was dealing with power outages, which sucks, um, but, you know, we'll yeah, be doing this on a regular basis. Hi, Mace. Do you got any questions? Yeah. Can you do some astrology on me, please? Gosh, it's Mace. Hi, dude. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, a little preface. In the links above, we have two free astro chart builders. So one is a website and one is an app. If you don't want to download the app, AstroSeek is totally free. And at the very top where it says horoscopes, you can click and it'll create a birth chart for you. But in the meantime, can you tell me your sun sign, like your birth sign? Well, uh, I was going to ask if you could tell me that. I can't tell you. Hey, Mace. What will my star sign tell you about me? It depends on what your star sign is. Could you give me an example? Okay. With certain birthdays, say for instance, you're a Virgo like Hakeem or Aries like me. I'm an Aries. I'm considered gung-ho and headstrong in the general sense. But my big three placements, which are Aries Sun, Taurus Moon, Taurus Rising, I give off a totally different energy. So I can't really give you a generalization just based off of the day you were born because there's millions, thousands of people been born on this day. But what astrology is a roadmap of the stars, like a snapshot of the stars at the moment you were born. And it's like a fingerprint. It's totally unique. You have 24 placements, and 12 even planets. even the time of day you were born, too. They can get that deep. Yes, the time of day. You can have a set of twins with two different birth charts because one came out 10 minutes before the other one. And they have a different moon sign because the moon shifts throughout the day all day long. So it's all about your individual fingerprint versus a generalized fingerprint. Because a generalized can apply to anybody. All 12 signs exist within us because we're all parts of this cosmic universe. So when we're trying to get down to just your chart, I would need to know and see it, you know? Um, before I ask the next question, I just wanted to say you've got a really nice voice. You're making him feel sleepy as hell. You should do ASMR. But, <laughs> I've been um, told that a lot. The The next question was, do you think that your star sign affects your personality? Not the star sign per se, because that's just general knowledge as what you show up as. In the old days, before we got to the Greco-Roman calendar, the sun sign, the day that you were born, wasn't even the sign that represented you. So in my case, 
in today's term, they call me an Aries. That's how I present. But in the olden days, with my rising being Taurus, they would have called me a Taurus. So that generalization shifts throughout time. Is there any part of astrology that affects your personality? Yes. It's all based on the planet and the house that it sits in. So I'll give you an example. I am an Aries sun, but my placement is in the 12th house. The 12th house is the darkest place. So my sun sign that I'm presenting as is ruled by darkness instead of light. My Venus rules love. Venus is the planet of love. My love life is also in the 12th house. So I have a lot of Romeo and Juliet dark things in my love life. It doesn't control it. When it, when we think of control, it's like manifest destiny. There's no way to get out of it. Astrology isn't like that. Astrology is more of the psychic part, the psyche of the person looking at pieces that you might not have seen. But when certain planets move into your spectrum, it can affect how your day is going to go that day or for those few hours that the moon is in this placement or for those few days that Mercury is in this placement. It's not a definite. It's not, oh, if you don't change this, this will be your life. No, it's not like that. And that's where a lot of astrologers get it wrong and why a lot of people um, like Mace, Mace is, you know, um, looks at a lot of things objectively and um, a lot of people come off in astrology and are like, this determines this, this is exactly your behavior, this is and that. And that's what causes a lot of people to be very skeptical because a lot of astrologers either are stupid, lying, or crazy. They don't know yes. what they're, they're doing and um, don't realize that astrology is basically another part of astronomy. Um, it's a branch of it. And um, even in the link that I put, even though it's not the best researched writing, it talks about geophysics, astrophysics, circadian rhythms, seasonal affective disorder, and ha actually has to do mostly with aphelion and perihelion, how close the sun is to the earth and how the light affects people when they're born and, um, and or the, the seasons of the year and also what hemisphere they're in and so on and so forth. So, and, and a lot of these different things do actually have an effect on, I mean, why do you think that in winter plants don't grow? Because the sun is further away from the earth and it's colder in the northern hemisphere, right? So, things like that. Another good example of that is how the moon controls the tide and we're 70% water. So, the tug of the moon can pull our emotional base. It can, if you're not aware of it. Astrology, for me, is bringing awareness to things that we didn't see but were already happening. How during Mercury retrograde, technology can sometimes crash simply because of the pull it has on electromagnetic fields. Not saying that this is a definite and this is how your life is going to go, but if you're feeling a little frustrated with your technology, Mercury might be in retrograde. It's almost like looking at the weather. So... You said um, your was it placement and the house affects your personality. Mm -hmm. So would you be able to figure out my placement in the house by asking me 
questions that aren't directly to do with my placements in house. Just ask me like personality questions. Oh no, (laughs) I don't have that skill. That's more of on the psychic level. And psychic. Well, sure, surely it's no. just reverse engineering. I can do it. Yes, slide. I can reverse engineer it based on personality using numerology. I, I can do that. I've been doing it so long that I've been known to be able to do that. All right. Oh, I, get, I get what you're saying now. I get what you're saying. I have a question about how old are you, by the way? Does that uh, affect my uh, house or placement thingy? Yes, it's a very it, crucial thing. Uh, I I can't tell you that if it affects it, then that will give the game away. Twenty-three. How the fuck do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that. I know that. How? <laughs> when did you ever tell me that? I'm sure you've been in one of my shows where I've mentioned it at some point. Um, I, I can tell you right now, and this is a recording, I don't ever remember or recall hearing you say your age before. So how did you know how old it was? The way that, it's the, the cadence and the way that you talk and the way that your face looks and things that I know about you other than you directly telling me. I can't exactly explain it at this very moment, but I guarantee you I don't. You can find any show that you've been on. I may have. I may not have been there. I don't ever remember hearing you say that. And I'm, I'm not. I'm not making that up. Seriously, I don't. I do not ever remember hearing your. your I believe your birthday. you. Must have been a lucky guess. The way yeah. you talk gives me Mercury in a slower moving sign or there's a Mercury and Uranus conjunction. I'm thinking there's an Aquarius placement as well with the rebellion and the trickery. Did you say Mercury in Uranus? (laughs) Mercury and Uranus conjunction. My mistake. But there's some form of conjunction in the way that you speak. It's giving... Okay, 23... 23 is giving me the outer planets being somewhere similar to where mine are. So you're in what we call the Harry Potter generation, the Pluto and Scorpio generation. Pluto and Scorpio generation is all about transforming and breaking apart old systems and revolutionizing. Basically, that generation comes in and fucks up the old. Oh. Cheers. So, with the generation, <laughs> that's, that's a gen- but that's a generalization of his generation, right? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you a little bit about Mace. Uh, that's how he is. No, I'm not. Trying- I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. I kind of agree with you. My generation is fucking things up. Yeah, <laughs> Gen Z came in to fuck it up, and I'm right behind y'all. Like, go ahead, tie the club up, do everything, deconstruct everything, and re build it because that's going to be the age that ushers in the age of Aquarius if they make it to 100. And is that a placement or a a house thingy? No, that's a generational movement. Okay. Every 2,160 years we move into a different 
astrological age. You know, that's really interesting. 2,160 is the, the uh, diameter of the moon in miles, approximately. Hello. <laughs> so every time we get past that moon age one more time, we get a new age to start. Another so, thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Another thing. I'm really curious about your Mercury. Your Mercury, the way that you're communicating is giving Scorpio. And it's either Scorpio in the 12th house or Scorpio in the 8th house. That's what I'm feeling. I could be totally wrong, by the way. Astrology doesn't really work like this, but I'm reverse engineering as best as I can because I love a good challenge. So it's giving 12th house or 8th house the houses of transformative transformative power or the house of darkness, insanity, institutions, and breaking things. So with that type of communication, and we're in a retrograde season, it's like you are the presented challenge in every aspect. Okay. Um, I actually have no idea what most of what you said means there, so you'll need to tell me what to Google so I can confirm if you got it right. Okay, I have two. I have a free website in the links, and I also have a free app in the link. And you would enter your information there, and it'll yeah. bring up the chart. Use astro-seek.com, which is the one uh, is that the, posted here. The co-star link. Oh, no, astro-seek, I see it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm on astro-seek. What do I do next? You go to the top where it says horoscope. Uh, yeah. You click that and you scroll down and you would enter your information into the bar. It'll have a, a day, a date, and a time. And if you don't know the exact birth time, if you know you were born in the daytime, put 12 p.m. And if you were born at night, put 12 a.m. And that's going to get a good general read but the exact time will give you the exact fingerprint so I, I know the exact time okay so you put your exact time in and you can post the link in the chat so I can look at it too and we can confirm if my suspicion okay I've uh, generated the charts thingy uh, before I show you though I just want to make sure we've got your final predictions down and Hakeem as well if his are different to yours oh you are giving real yeah. mercury energy I'm thinking it's some form of mercury rule planet or a Pluto rule planet. And how you guys, if you're just stopping in, we're doing a quick astro chat. And right now, Mace is challenging our 
astro well my astrology knowledge and Hakeem's numerology knowledge. So we're trying to see if my prediction of either a Mercury ruled sign or a Pluto ruled sign is his chart in his chart. So your your final guess is a Mercury or Pluto for rule sign. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts do I find rule sign? When you look at interpretations at the top after you generate your circle, it'll say interpretations. And I want to know your sun, moon, and rising and what house they're in. And in the descriptions, they will show you what house it is. Oh, here we go. Yes. Interpretations. Uh... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to send you the link because I have no idea what any of this stuff means. <laughs> I'm going to send you the link. So I can confirm or deny my guess. Like, I, I got a good guess going. But I could be totally wrong. Because a lot of astrology is about self-study and studying yourself. Like, I could sit here and tell you everything I know about astrology, but it probably wouldn't apply to you because it's like a fingerprint. I can't read your fingerprint without the transcript on it. I can't figure out how to send the link. Um, You would click at the top of the page and copy the link and add it to the chat here and I'll be able to pull it up that way. No, it's not letting me paste it in the chat for some reason. Mm, interesting. I don't know why. I've been doing that for me for a while. It took me like many, many tries just to get my hypnoathletics link in there. I had to do it over and over and over again and finally it let me do it. It was really weird. <clears throat> uh, I'll try refreshing the page. I might disappear. Let us see. I, I'm really excited and I appreciate you coming up with a good challenge like this. Like this is a good test of skill or at least to help me hone my skills. Um, Cicely is, uh, she's very competent, but she's still, um, you know, somewhat green in this, but she, her confidence pushes her forward and she's highly intelligent and actually is a scientist. So, yeah, I was a horticulture and environmental studies person, so <laughs> that's how I got yeah, into astrology. Still not letting me do it. Uh, Hakeem, do you have me on Discord? I could send it to you via Discord. I might. Yeah, well, I am on Discord, but I'm not sure if I'm following you or not because Discord's still. Are, you, uh, are uh, you in the Pangburn Discord group? I am. Um, I'm, but, but, I'm really excited to see this though. Like really excited. This is going to be fun. Are you on the Pangburn discord? I'm not at the moment. Um, I, well, I am on there. I believe I am, but I mean, I'm not looking in there in the moment. I'm, I'm actually doing something else. People, I'm checking IDs, but I'll get there in a second. 
Uh, I'll search for you in there. What's your name in it? Equilibrium, the same handle that I have here and everywhere. Let us see. And if anybody else has any questions about astrology, you can also put them in the chat and I'll answer those too. And yes, Fahim, it's a full moon and it's out. It's a full moon in Cancer and Cancer is the home of the moon. That's the matching sign, just like Leo is the matching sign for the sun and they represent mother energy and father energy. But a quick side note on the mother-father energy. A lot of people like to call Saturn the father or Jupiter the father because Jupiter is correlated with Zeus. But Saturn is about luck. Saturn isn't luck. Saturn is about limitations, beliefs, and the systems and structures that we live in. So when those systems and structures break down, and they're called Saturn's returns. It's where Saturn is at the exact point where you were born. And it usually takes about 28 or so years. So the first Saturn return would be at about 28 to 31. And the next one would be around 58 to 61. And that's where a lot of people say we have quarter life crisis and the midlife crisis. And it correlates to pieces in psychology where they say those rough transitioning periods that everyone has to go through, they're correlated to the signs and the stars. Okay, the link has been sent on Discord. Hakeem, if you can find it, because I really want to see this chart. Like, I, I got to I'm I'm, I'm, I've got a free moment here. I'm going to go in now. Hold on. <clears throat> Hello, everybody that's just joining. How y'all doing? This is an astrology chat. If you have any questions or want to know how to get your birth chart, there is a link to a free website in the links as well as a free app if you want to use that as well. So if you have any questions, let me know. Let's see if we can get this Discord link. I occupied at the moment. Muy occupado. Protecting these good people in the club on the full moon. Au. Au. You know... There has been documentation and studies done that on the full moon, hospitals tend to get a lot of crazy cases and gunshots and 
It's always been a joke with my nursing friends that the full moon is when a lot of the crazies come out. A lot of crazy things happen on full moons. But it's also linked to horticulture, which was my main field of study. The way I discovered astrology was through my main field of horticulture and environmental soil science. And on the full moon, bugs are the most active. So when you look at a farmer's almanac, when you look at your um, farmer's almanac, there are days that are dedicated to each sign and what you can do on those days. Like on days of Virgo that are a full moon, it's good for exterminating bugs because they're the most active during the full moon. Animals are more active during the full moon because it's a clear visual in sight. Like the moon is bright enough for them to see everything around them. And if you stand in an area that doesn't have halogen lights or street lights on a full moon, you can kind of see where you're going. So that's what sent me on the deep dive into astrology because the farmer's almanac has been used for over 200 years to chart weather. And when they were charting weather, they were using the signs. So the more I studied the weather and the patterns I needed to actually farm, I discovered that a lot of these placements show in our lives as well in everything around us. And a couple of live chat comments. Hey, just Heidi. Jacket Revolution. Sun in Virgo, Moon in Scorpio, Rising in Libra. That's why you're so damn pretty, if you don't mind me saying. That Libra rising, you have a Venus rule rising like me. So Libra and Taurus are ruled by Venus. And Venus Wait, is the planet of beauty. Who's so pretty? Who are you talking about? Jade. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, was, I thought you said something about Miss Heidi. Just Heidi said hi. And I was like, hey, how you doing, girl? Oh, What's going on? Is she, she's not still here? Hold on. Uh, oh, she probably passed. Oh, she said hi. I came hi since that's two minutes ago. She already left. <laughs> no, I wish she had a state. And yes, Jay says her mom is a nurse and she says the same thing. Like it's it's the the activity that happens on those full moon moments. It's like every creature. One of my favorite astrology jokes to make is that the moon controls the tides. We have high tides and low tides. And if we're made of seventy percent water. Those tides can shift within us as well, like on the cellular level, on an emotional level. Good evening. Oh, he's still What's checking out these. <laughs> so that on that emotional level, we can see shifts in moods. But I'm I'm reading into this sun in Virgo, moon in Scorpio, very intense mo emotional state, but not in a way that can be volatile very cool calm controlled emotions on the outside but internally you could be really going through it and it would just seem like you're just cool as a cu cucumber especially with that mercury ruled sun sign that control aspect and the communication you could be freaking out and everything just seems cool 
I also want to know what houses they're in, Jade. If you know, if you know what houses they're all in, let me know because that's a really big point. Mace, I accepted your friend request on um, um, Discord, and I'm going to go in again and uh, check the um, if you've got message to fill the link. Thanks. Hmm. This is interesting. I'm. I'm. This is my first chat, y'all. So this is my first time actually doing something on call in. So I appreciate you guys coming in and popping the cherry with me. <laughs> and if anybody has any questions in about astrology, just pop them in the comments. Or if you know your chart. Or even if you don't know your chart, I have two links. One is for an app and one is for a astrology website. And if you don't know your exact birth time, if you were born in the daytime, you would put 12 p.m. And if you were born at night, you would put 12 a.m. And it will give me a good general read. And one of the things I like to tell people, just call your mom and ask. Hakeem actually called. His mom on my live on wisdom to ask her what time he was born. And we did a chart reading like that. So it's a very candid kind of thing, but it's really fun as a self-study piece. And I've studied astrology for about as long as I was in school and studying horticulture and I've been studying farming. It's been about 10 years, and I'm just now getting to the point where I will openly answer questions about astrology. That's how long it took me to figure it all out in my best manner, so to speak. So it's one of those big think pieces of the inner world versus the outer world. And a lot of people don't know that people, places, and events have astro charts. That can be charted. Like the January 6th event where we had the storming of a capital. It becomes, it has a whole, I think it was Pluto that was the prominent energy. And Pluto is about transformation, but it wasn't in the correct stance. So it failed. That could have been a full-scale revolution if Pluto had been 30 degrees to the left. That could have went really bad if Pluto had been 30 degrees to the left. Hey, um, Mace, I haven't seen a message about... Oh, um, oh wait, never mind. I got it. Sorry, dude. <laughs> what the hell? Holy crap. That's a long-ass link. Um, it shows up as a full long link oh andrew sun in libra moon in gemini rising in pisces and venus in scorpio oh you are fun you are fun to be around that sun in libra denotes some charisma then you got moon in gemini your emotional state is stabilized by the intellectualism your communication style stabilizes your emotions. Like if you've ever felt like you couldn't speak, it would make you feel emotionally unbalanced. And your rising is in Pisces. Pisces rising present um, 
are you doe-eyed, like really wide-eyed, dreamy-eyed person? Or have you ever been told you have beautiful eyes? That's a Pisces rising general thing. Ah, yeah. The doe-eyed dreamers, they're kind of watery-like. Even if they're not blue, they have a watery look to them. Whether they're green, they may look like a murky green or a murky brown. That's in the old days, the way that you would present yourself would be saying you're rising. Oh, your eyes change from blue and green. So that's the aspect. The rising aspect is the identity as you're shaped outwardly, how people would see you. And Venus and Scorpio, you have an intense, passionate kind of love. Your wife always thinks they're green. You think they're green, but your wife says they're blue sometimes. Oh, Jade, I see your link as well. I'm going to get to you in just a second. I'm sending um, you Maces through text message on the phone because for some reason I'm not <clears throat> having a good time. Of... Okay, that's fine. And Hannah, the links are at the top. The links are at the top, and it's an app or the website. And it'll pop up, and it'll show you how to do your birth chart. And once you get to the link on the website, you would just click horoscopes, and it'll give you a free horoscope, and you can post it in the chat. So I can look at it that way, too. Okay. And, Jay, let me see this photo. I got to see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, ascending in Libra, Mercury in Libra, Venus in Libra. You are a triple threat. <laughs> it's beauty all around you and you have Venus in its home sign. Mars in Virgo. Your guiding planet is Jupiter and your chart ruler is Venus. A Venus ruled chart denotes a really pretty person anyway. But it's not like just physical beauty. It's also that inner beauty. Um, If you don't mind me asking, what's your career field? Are you You're asking me or Jacket? Jacket. Okay. I just got the link for your chart as well. I haven't forgotten about you. I just, I was scrolling through the chat. But let me pull your early childhood education. You are beautiful in that. I know those kids love you. Now, let's see. Horoscope birth chart. Let me pull it on up. It's not showing his actual birth chart. It's just bringing me back to the home page. Dagnabbit. Excuse me, what's that? Yeah, we get popping off around... Um... Yeah, about 10, 30, 11. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm off mute. <laughs> um, Mace, I may need you to send it to Hakeem again. On Discord again. Let me see if I got... There might be something different. Hold on. Let me get... Do anything yet. I think I might have copied the link. Early childhood education. 
You did screenshots. Oh, well, Jacket did screenshots because she couldn't get the link to post in the um, chat either. Well, Fahim, nobody has showed up that there is a lost cause because that would be like me saying that there is a definite problem with their chart. And I don't see problems in charts. Oh, you have CoStar on your phone as well. So give me a chart. Give me a screenshot of that too, Andrew. But no, I've never seen a lost cause. Now, I will tell y'all about Hakeem's, um, <laughs> Hakeem's chart. Hakeem's chart is terrifying to look at. <laughs> it's one of the scariest things I've not seen in a way like, oh my God, he, he could be a supervillain at any given point in time. All he needs is a bad storm and that's it. But that's my joke. And if you post a link, Andrew, into the chat, I can pull up the full chart. And CoStar is one of my favorites for daily astrology because it's just like a good forecast of where the planets are right then and there. And they're pretty accurate because I cross-reference it to time passages as well, which is another free app. And they keep a pretty good daily piece. I would like to say I'm truly enjoying you guys. This is my first chat. I'm just out here like, yay, let's do it. This is fun. But I'm really, really, really trying to see what Mace's signs are. I've figured out what the problem is. I can't post it on the call-in chat because the call-in chat has a character limit. And this link is really, really long. So, oh. yeah, Discord is the only way of doing it. Okay. Now, Andrew, I just got your chart picture as well. We got the Pisces ascendant with Saturn in that first house, Gemini moon in the third house. So Gemini is in the house of communication, Libra, Mercury, and Sun in the seventh house. That's a good denotation for relationships. You can have really good long relationships as long as you're not square to your partner's chart. And squares are just friction points of growth. But I see you have Venus, Mars, and Pluto in the eighth house in Scorpio in its home placement. So a good joke I like to say about Scorpio placements in the eighth house is you're going to get an inheritance one day. I don't know who's going to give it to you, but that's the eighth house is the relationship to other people's money. And Scorpio rules other people's money. And then you got Sagittarius and Jupiter, which is a really good placement for luck. You ever been called a lucky bastard? That's that's where that placement, that's where that comes from. And then you have Capricorn in the 11th house. So your communication in the 11th house is based on, you don't think you have any money coming from an inheritance. It may be a long lost uncle somewhere <laughs> or a long lost, or even if you take care of someone's business 
or if you work for somebody for a long period of time, they tend to leave money to Scorpios, those Scorpio places. And Hannah, sun in Virgo, moon in Taurus, and Mercury in Libra. So your communication style is fair and balanced. You try not to deviate from one side to the next. The moon, which is in Taurus like mine, it has an exalted peace. It's in a place of, ooh, this feels yummy. When you're financially secure, your emotional state will be very secure. And that sun in Virgo is all about communication because Virgo is ruled by Mercury. So you and Hakeem have the same sun sign. I find that really uh, cool. Are, are you doing Mace's chart? Because I'm unable to get it to post or anything. And uh, I sent in the one the one that I sent you in text message. You said it just went straight to um, uh, the home the, page. The, the main, yeah, that's weird. I don't know what's going on. Um, how about you guys just guide me through where to find the information on Absolutely. the page from my end? Okay, so uh, I'm looking at the interpretation section. What is the first thing it says on the interpretation for you? Um, first house. Okay, what's the sign? Uh, did you make a prediction on that? Yes, you remember I said it's either Scorpio, Virgo, or Gemini. The Mercury ruled sign or the Pluto ruled sign. Okay. So it says first house ascendant ASC. I'm pretty sure ascendant is an adjective, so I'm not sure what that's doing there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Ascendant is another word for the first house. That is the sign that was rising up the day that you were born. Right. Um... It says physical personality, ascendant ASC, symbolizes basic personality traits, uh, but blah, blah, that's just a description of that. Um, ascendant in Virgo. Ha! Mercury rule planet! What does that mean? Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo. You remember how I was saying your communication style is very close to one of the darker planets? So your ascendant, the way that you present personality-wise, is in a Mercury-ruled planet. What's that got to do with ascendant Virgo? Ascendant in Virgo? Ascendant in Virgo is the way that you outwardly present yourself and the way that you question the world and how you ask questions. And with Mercury communication, that is the sign that rules it. So basically, what I'm trying to say is you present in a manner that's very similar to Hakeem. is a Virgo. Oh, oh, hang on. Here we go. I've got a URL short enough from Andrew. Thank you. Let's see. Awesome. Well, let there me click through the comments. Yeah, I've just posted a link to it now so that 
hopefully it will work. Um, it, it works, yes. Okay, awesome. You can now just have a look at everything and tell me if your predictions are accurate. My per- prediction was correct because the old world used to use rising instead of the sun. So your ascendant is in Virgo. Virgos are analytics and very, very logical. And they criticize a lot of knowledge that they get. So when you came up and you were like, does this denote this? And then you asked, I asked what, how old you were. And you were like, is that going to give anything away? Then no, that is that analytical mind. And your ruler, Mercury, your ascendant is in the seventh house. The seventh house is relationships, politics, foreign events, and passion. So your passions may be in talking about these contrary things and analyzing them and breaking down this system. And you remember how I was talking about the generational planet in a place of fuck it up? You have, let me scroll down to it. And you're a Pisces sun. But let me scroll down to the generational planet to see if I was correct in that as well. You're Pluto. Yep. I was correct on that too. So thank you for that test. And I'm just going to read a little synopsis from this. People with Pluto and Sagittarius are understanding and philosophical. Personal transformation can occur, especially through philosophical searching. Pluto in this planet strengthens their innate religious consciousness and feeling. We can expect them to create new spiritual spiritual or mystical directions and attempt to merge existing religions and churches. You remember how I was saying, tear the club up, destroy all of these things. Make sure you break up some houses tear up some shit that's that idea so my guess was right i can't believe i was right i wasn't sure but i was right and then when we go further into oh you're mars in scorpio there's a certain intensity about that mar people with mars in scorpio are able to hide their power and show it to people at the right moment you see how you hid that information from me until i made my final guess and then you were like okay now i'll let you know what it is there's a strong sense of survival and sexuality and they're very aware of how these insect these instincts intertwine the sense makes them very attractive and magnetic and it can also make them very indifferent towards other people. They have a strong, hold on, as if they strongly provoke the most basic hopes and fears in people. They do not try to get anything or do anything if they do not really want it. Their challenging aura, whether active or passively, will always attract great loyalty or great hostility and nothing in between. So I was right. Oh, yeah. And Dickie, if you look in the um, links, there is a free astro calculator and a free 
free astrology app if you want to pull up your chart and add it to the chat as well. And Andrew, squares are 90 degree angles in charts that are friction points for growth. They're places... And it's not that they don't work well together because any sign can work with any sign if they work hard enough. But if you have a square in a chart, that is a point where you're going to get irritated with this person. They're going to get on your nerves. But if you really love them and you want the relationship to work, you have to find a a happy medium within that. You and me must be all squared up because you get on my damn nerves. You get on my fucking nerves. How about that? How can you get way. on my last damn nerves? Well, y'all want to know why he get on I'm my listening. nerves? Cicely, was there anything that you got wrong in your predictions? The only thing I got wrong was where your Mercury is. Your actual Mercury is in Aries. I would have never guessed that one because Aries do everything quickly. And the way you had me waiting on that chart was like, oh, that's what got me. You got me there. Interesting. Well, um, yeah, this is a bit too complicated for me to understand. So I'll take your word for it and assume you did get it right where you said you did. And our, my next question is, Would do you think you could replicate this for other people? Because I've been looking for an astrologist who would be confident enough to come onto my show and um, basically do what you just did, but for everyone that calls in, let's say 10 people, and then at the end see like how accurate they are how many people they got it right for. And then... I'd love to. Yeah, sorry, I'm not very good at explaining, but I think you understand what I'm asking. I get exactly what you're, you're saying. It would be a fun game for me because I wouldn't even mind being wrong because that's another point that I would have to get into analytics and it would, it would kind of hone my skills as well because I, I feel like I'm never going to stop honing my skills in this so that would be really fun awesome um do you have discord i do let me make sure i still have right. it active. yeah um i'll see if uh ask hakeem to send you my discord name and we can arrange a time for a yeah i'll do that and plus this. plus we're not even linked on discord so we haven't even got that far so yeah we'll do all that Oh, yeah. Now, I will let you know, Mace, this is my first time being on this app, doing any form of show. So I appreciate you coming up and giving me this really good experience, because now I have a whole nother avenue of just prediction and playing this game, because I'm going to treat it like a game. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I think it will be fun. And it's a good opportunity for you to convince people who almost certainly aren't well they're almost certainly going to be skeptical of astrology but if you can predict their stats correctly you might change their mind i love it i love a good challenge that'll be so fun 
were you on when we were talking about the great pyramids of Giza and how they lined up with certain astrological principles? No. Well, the pyramids are pieces at certain points of the year, Orion's belt sits right above the main pyramids and there's two other pieces. And what the legend says is that it used to be tipped in gold. So when the these signs, these constellations came high enough in the sky and the moon was full, it looked like a light beam going straight up pointing at them. And astrology is one of the original mapping systems. It's a branch of astrology, astronomy that is used to talk about people through legends. It's more of a language than an actual belief system. Because when people say they don't believe in astrology, I say good because it's not a belief system. system. It's not a religion. It's more of just the language they used at the time because that's all they had. It's like Latin versus modern English. Isn't it also a system that tries to uh, link your personality traits to the, the stars and stuff? Actually, no. Your personality is more closely brought up by your actual environment. But there are certain asteroids that show where your unhealed wounds are, like Chiron. Chiron is the wounded healer, the centaur in the sky that gave up immortality for death because they had an unhealable wound. But that personality aspect is only a generalization of a forecast, not like this is definitely this personality because this is this sign. There's too much leeway in between it. That's why a lot of people are skeptical about it because we can't predict your personality down to a science. But with 24 separate houses and placements, we can get a good idea of it. But you could have went through something really traumatic as a kid and not present as the Tarian adult or the Virgo adult. You'll present as a wounded child, not as this astrological sign. There are a lot more factors in life that can pull those pieces. Right. It's a lot of discrepancies in it because it's not like you're destined to be like this because this is your sign. It's like the blind spots that we can't see. You can read in your chart and kind of see. Like when I'm looking at your chart, your 10th house is in Gemini. And 10th house is the house of career, prestige, and reputation. People with Gemini on the 10th house cusp usually excel in professions that require good literacy, articulacy, and intelligence. They enjoy work that is diverse and moving forward fast. These people are able to present their ideas clearly and they like to communicate with others. Their work must be varied and stimulating. Otherwise, they will immediately get bored. These people are often tireless workaholics who successfully manage two different careers at the same time. No, that doesn't describe me at all. I hate working. <laughs> 
that is a generalization of Gemini in the 10th house. For your specific chart, Mercury is in the 7th house. These people can become politicians or their work with their audience. And their work often affects their marriages. So you were telling me you're on Discord. You work with an audience? Uh, no, no, I... Well, sorry, I'm actually not allowed to say where I work for my actual job, but uh, I do call-in shows just as... Like, not as a job, just as a thing I do on Friday nights, just for a bit of fun. Okay, that's cool. So I get it. That's what I'm saying. Like, there are certain things that are just generalizations about astrology for things to look at. And then there are certain things that will make a lot of sense. And it's all in the personal choices, because a lot of people think it's supposed to be like, religion where it's a definite and there's no real definites in astrology it's like forecasting okay is- uh, i am super freaked out now someone mm-hmm. just made an accurate uh, i hope that's a guess that they just made in the chat but i'm not going to say what it is because i'm not allowed but jesus i'm really freaked out with how many accurate guesses have been made about me today this is weird <laughs> hmm working from the home office (laughs) yes Jade it's kind of like predicting the weather but the thing is about weather it's been tracked for a long period of time so with astrology it's like okay if it rained every day on this particular day for the past 10 years there is an anomaly where it might not rain this day but generally speaking it rained this day kind of thing you know that make any sense you talking to me or the audience yes yeah i was talking to you that time my bad oh okay right but it's like we've tracked weather for different regions for about 200 years and a lot of my astrology base is based on astrocartography, layering a map over, layering a birth chart symbols over a map and seeing why this person may not feel good in the wintertime. Like somebody born in the summer won't feel good in the wintertime. So that's another question. I'm going to write down some questions to ask people that won't give away the placement or time, but it's going to be like, do you get sad in the winter? Seasonal affective disorder that lets me know that they have a summer chart or they're born in a summer sign or a spring sign. Do you prefer hot weather to cold weather? Things like that. Uh, I see Andrew is calling in, so I'll, I'll let him take over now, but I might call in again later. And we should definitely collaborate on that show we were discussing. Because I think that'll be fun. I really think it is. And I appreciate you coming up too. Oh, and Jade, it's astrocartography. Like, 
I got to put another link in the chat. Oh, well, actually, on that same website, Astro Seat, yes, cartography. On the same website on Astro Seat, yep, just like a map. And it layers your birth chart over that map. And Andrew, you coming on up? Let me see what you got. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. Making some rice. I like rice. Yeah. How are you in... uh... Hakeem, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in ages. Hakeem, get on my damn nerves, and I'm not afraid to say it. And I know you hear me, even though you're I can hear you, but you know what? It's getting, it's popping off of here right now. He's at work. When I say this man get on my nerves, he get on my nerves. But he's also the catalyst that got me on this site. So it's a win-lose. We have a square in our chart. I'm an Aries <laughs> son. He's a Virgo son. And we go at it. I cuss this man out about every time on the phone. I don't know enough to evaluate that. I just, my interest in astrology is more that whenever I know somebody well and just for, for fun, I'm like, oh, what's their, what's their chart? What's your signs? Um, You know, a good 90% of the time or more, it's very, um, annoyingly accurate to who they are. Um, and I think, <laughs> I, I think me too. My, my signs are, are fairly, fairly in line with my personality or at least like some of my behavior. But I actually, I called in when you were talking about the pyramids um, to have some, I have some thoughts and things to share about the pyramids, at least the Let's Giza pyramids. So, the there's very very good evidence to say that the cap of at least the pyramid of uh khufu was gold there was a golden you know uh square based pyramid on top of as as the capstone um there's you know there's tons of different uh people's accounts of the pyramid in writing both in you know hieroglyphics coptic uh, Latin, Greek, uh, other languages too, from people traveling there because it was a center of commerce. Um, and so that's pretty well established. The other thing that's interesting is about just like what are the pyramids used to look like? They were um, still fairly pristine. I don't know if the capstone that was gold was still there um, until this point, but I think in like I want to say 1895 or 1905, somewhere around there. My dates are not accurate right now, but there was a, a very large earthquake that destroyed a lot of Cairo. And at that mm. point, it... Um, sorry, hold on. I was getting a call. A lot of Cairo? Can you hear me? What was it that destroyed a lot of Cairo? There was an earthquake. An earthquake. Uh, around the, I can't remember the year, but around the turn of the the 19th to 20th century um, that wrecked a lot of buildings in Cairo. It also shook a little bit loose, but not like destroyed. It shook a little bit of uh, enough of a gap in the, the finished stones on the outside of the pyramids that people were able to take them apart because before that time, they were actually so... Sorry, I'm 
Sam Hancock said that they were so sealed, that they were so tightly put together that you could you couldn't even stick a playing card between. Well, them. yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of different sources of evidence to show that, and and that's that's pretty common in ancient stonework. A lot of times, um, ancient builders would use basically from from uh, like mining in a lot of different mines where there's pyrite uh, or some other minerals too. It's not just pyrite you'll have a, like leaching out of the rocks as there's water. You'll have a leaching that's very acidic from the minerals there. And there's also um, bacteria that thrive in that acidic mine leachate water. And they make an even more acidic uh, byproduct, these bacteria. And you can use those um, bacteria cultures along with other, you can mix in other things um to make a like you know it's like an exponential each time right so it's already very acidic water the bacteria make it exponentially more acidic and then there's other processes you can do to it to make it orders of magnitude more acidic and you can use that paste to shape stone really effectively certain types of stone that have high quartz and other minerals you can use that acidic paste to uh, and you can also light there's other certain types of paste um that have been, you know, corroborated in archaeological evidence, but also described in really old texts where they're lighting the mixture on fire to accelerate the process. And that's how they wow. got the stones to sit so tightly together. They didn't have to cut each stone so perfect. They could get it close enough and use this acidic mixture in between like a mortar um, that all the stones. It's a lot of weight. sense. Yeah, all the stones and their weight would kind of push each other um, together and along with that acid. That's how if you ever see like in, uh, well, in, not just in Egyptian building, but in Incan, um, Mayan, even in Japan. I'm not familiar with the cult names of the cultures. There are other parts of Southeast Asia. The really old stonework with massive stones. So they'll sometimes have like three gigantic, like several to many tons blocks together and then in the middle there's like with a perfect seam this other little weird polygonal stone in between it's not like you know they didn't cut it and put it in the middle they put it in there with that mixture and all the other stones pushed themselves together and made a, a perfect fit anyways that's not um all i was going to talk about the astronomical alignment of the pyramids they do align very very um exactly to uh, Orion's belt, and I believe um, they. Andrew, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, let me just interject something and and kind of like ask and just throw this in there. Um, there's a, a a software that I use called Redshift, and um, you can wind back the cosmic clock with it, and it shows that they were exactly over the Great Pyramid of e uh, Giza around um, I can't remember it was like 10,500 years ago, but you can actually use that yeah. software. Um, it Same shows the that. The, right. the Sphinx was under Leo. Now I yes. think it's under Taurus, but when it and, was built, it was under yeah. Leo. And then also, um, there were some skeptics that said that. So there's a, a there's a point in you know latitude and longitude that um, is exactly the uh, the speed of light in a vacuum, but the decimal point is just moved like to 29 point right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not there exactly, but the skeptics don't take into consideration the tectonic shift and and uh, the shift of the continents too. And so things like that are actually pretty significant as well. 
Um, and then That's just one more I thing. Of. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And then, well, I was thinking about the other day because I fucking sometimes skeptics leave out a lot of shit, and I try to find that stuff that they leave out. Um, and then one other thing is um, uh, there's a guy named Scott Onstott who has uh, some videos on YouTube called Secrets in Plain Sight. And one interesting thing he pointed out is that the Washington Monument is an obelisk, right? And mm-hmm. then on the top of it is is a uh, capstone. Isn't it made which is, of bricks though? Like it's made uh, of not, blocks. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's made out of, but the, the the top of it is a is a pyramid. It's a capstone of a pyramid, and it's exactly 55.5 feet tall, which is 666 inches. So it's just interesting that the 666 is there. But the total uh, uh, Washington Monument is 555 feet tall, which is 6,660 6,660 inches. So it's just interesting. Um, 6,660. So there's two 666s in there. And one more thing. It's sitting inside of a vesica Pisces. So it's a penis in a vagina. Uh, Osiris and Isis. Anyway, just a little interjecting about some interesting stuff for you to think about for later because you seem to be you know, a little bit well-versed in this stuff. So I just wanted to throw that in there so that maybe yeah, next time that. we talk. Yeah. The, the, the numerological significance of 666 has been really kind of perverted over the years for modern, um, you know, especially within the reformed churches, all of the different Protestant churches um, to construct a narrative about hell and punishment. Um, But I'm not, I'm I'm not refreshed enough to really talk about that. Well, what I was going to talk about is the, the great pyramid, the largest of the three. So the pyramid of Khufu is the one I'm most familiar with. And the whole pyramid is constructed um, on top of a base that is like one solid piece of bedrock. And it's slightly wider than the base of the stones that are the, the bottom blocks in the pyramid itself. And they both have very exact um, measurements that are a a perfect subdivision of the dimensions of the earth, the planet. So the, I believe the, um, the circumference of the earth, if you, if you trace a line of longitude, so North to South is slightly less than the circumference. You cut out on the last part. is that you still there yeah he cut out completely for a minute mm-hmm. hey can you hear me yes yeah, okay, uh, okay. i can hear you now you said it was slightly less than and then that cut out oh shit yeah sorry my my wi-fi doesn't uh, cooperate sometimes but should be good on phone service so my so what i was saying is the the circumference of the earth from north to south is uh i think it's something like 13 miles um, less if you if not the circumference, but if you just dr- drilled a hole from the north, exact like true north pole of the Earth to the south, it would be 13 miles thinner than if you went a- perfectly across the equator. Um, and that's reflected exactly in the Great Pyramid's dimensions. If you take um, like a north to south facing side of the or running side, so a side that faces to the west or the east of the pyramid. It's a perfect subdivision of the circumference of the earth um, down um, 
like across the the north to south uh, across a long a line of longitude and if you take a north facing or south facing wall meaning that it runs east to west um it's a perfect subdivision of um oh no that's not right okay i think that it, that that is or at least that's not all of it it is it is a perfect subdivision but it's a smaller one like uh one fourth of the pyramid's circumference um it's rough because each side is slightly different each side is not exact it it's again it's down to the subdivision of whether it's facing north or south uh or east or west it'll have a a different length of the sides so the the north and south running sides are shorter but also if you take the um, perimeter of the pyramid not including the foundation in the bedrock it's um it's the it's it's like a perfect degree uh running longitudinally or maybe a half degree god i sound like a fool because i haven't I haven't read my notes on this or like re visited my sources for this in years but i think you guys get what i'm saying like take the shorter of Absolutely. the two perimeters because you have the you have the blocks themselves that's a shorter perimeter by a little bit than the foundation that they sit on the blocks perimeter is a, a half a degree of the circumference of the earth north to south and the perimeter of the foundation is a half degree on the equator um and it's it, like it's making sense Okay, so yeah, there's a, there's a ton of very interesting uh, alignments in those particular pyramids, um, apart from just the fact that they sit, especially when they were when they were first constructed, they sit under Orion's belt. Um, but those pyramids are not actually like the biggest in the world. The biggest pyramid in the world, I think, is in it's in Mexico, but I can't remember if it's in Puebla or which state it's in. Um, and not just pyramids there's pyramids in the americas and there's pyramids in uh you know africa but there's also um, temples all over so like the temple of angkor wat um the buddhist temple i believe also has really stunning astronomic alignments with stars and other celestial bodies and earth alignments um most of these really impressive monuments that are very ancient but even younger like all the way up into the time period where people were building the parthenon in greece or the gothic cathedrals in europe they're usually built um not only are they astronomically aligned but they're aligned to where they're built on the earth so the parthenon in greece is further north than the great pyramid it's it's on a smaller latitude than the equator because it's got less earth travel around as you're going up the globe um, and the base, again, that bedrock base of the Parthenon is a perfect subdivision of the exact latitude that the Parthenon is at. So it's not the same as the the Pyramid of Khufu. It's its own sort of unique Andrew, um, subdivision of the earth. Yeah. You know what you need to do? You really need to look at the video on YouTube from Scott Onstott called uh, Secrets in Plain Sight. He's sure, got a couple yeah, of series. I think it's two parts, and they're like three hours and like – it's going to blow your mind because he's an architect and he's a mathematician and he finds all of these different correlations and significances all around the world. So the stuff that you're saying yeah. is very reminiscent of that. So you should check it out. Sure. will do. Yeah. Anyways, I, I did a long rant, but um, yeah, I'll let you both take it. Cicely, I'm sure you know a lot more about the pyramids that um, 
or whatever other, you know, monuments that are have astrological significance, because that's something I don't know really anything about. But I got my brain got tickled when you started talking about the pyramids sitting on. Actually, I love a good long rant about something that I'm interested in. I love to hear other people rant about what they're interested in and what they've taken notes. Because one of the things I've heard about the Great Pyramids, a lot of people think that they're burial grounds. The Pyramid of Giza was really like when they brought people in and they played instruments in them. The sound resonance was so beautiful. It had the perfect acoustics because it's just like you were saying, it's perfectly sealed. You can't even get a playing card between those bricks. And the way it vibrates up, it was rumored to send out transmissions through that golden top. Well, I don't know about like external transmissions. That would be very interesting, but like inside the Great Pyramid, there's numerous chambers kind of, most of them are stacked on top of each other. Um, you know, there's certainly maybe divisions like in rooms going um, from front to back or side to side, but like there are um, corridors or maybe they're air shafts or something between the chambers. And you're right, the acoustics are really incredible. You could be kind of whispering in a room, you know, quite a ways below and people standing in one of the upper chambers could hear you perfectly uh, because of the acoustics. And it's similar with uh, like, not just Chichen Itza, but other Mayan pyramids in the sort of Southern regions of Mexico and into Guatemala, Belize and Honduras. They have really incredible acoustic properties too, where if you're standing outside the, those pyramids and you clap or do whistles of certain kinds, they will, they will reflect back to you a different sound. And some of them are, the, the stonework is like echoing back a sound from applause that sounds like local birds. Very, very beautiful. Wow. That they've done with these. That's amazing. Like, cause I will give a little bit of a, a preface. I have dreams where I'm singing in a chamber somewhere and the acoustics are so beautiful but I can never see the outside of where I am. I just go to sleep and I wake up singing in a space or humming in a space or chanting in a space. And it looks like a tunnel, but I can never figure out where it is. So saying that about these different pyramids, it may be a past life. It may be this life and just a separate dimension or a separate split in time because one of the things I get complimented on the most is my voice and what it sounds like and how soothing it can be and you know I don't quite know where it comes from or where the place is or what lifetime it's from so Hearing that it, all of these pyramids and all of these monuments are built in the same manner with this great acoustics, it could be from any time period. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, I don't think that narrows down your search at all if you want to find this place. I mean, there's so many really amazing constructed places. There's really ama places with amazing acoustics that are carved out of um you know, like a cliff face. So it's not 
built like those pyramids we've already talked about. But also, um, one other thing I forgot about the pyramids is, I agree with you, I don't think that they are primarily burial places because in most of the boxes inside that are called sarcophagi, most of the ones that have been um, written about did not have a mummy inside. And some of them do. There was one excavated from underneath like downtown Cairo, not so long ago. That's a very interesting thing too about Cairo and or like Mexico City and places like that. They're built right on top of, you know, numerous other cities from throughout time into the past. And so in Cairo, they were taking this um, sarcophagus out of the, the ground. And when they opened it, it was like either some reaction took place inside the box or somehow there was a leak, but it's, it's not common for there to be leaks because these sarcophagi or other stone boxes, they're carved out of one single piece of granite or basalt or other really hard stone. Um, so it's, it's uncommon for there to be leaks, but there are some that are fully submerged underwater. And so after thousands of years, there's a leak and there's a body, but sometimes there's not. So it's, it's unclear. But one thing that's interesting is that in not just um, kind of like ancient Egyptian belief systems, but other um, ancient and still present kind of religious or belief systems about the afterlife, um, people believe that your soul needs to go to um, well, Sirius, the, which I think is the center star in Orion's belt, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, it is. And there are shafts in the the Great Pyramid and other pyramids in Egypt that are, um, I think, multiple times a year or a couple of times a year are perfectly aligned so that Sirius shines into the into the shaft. It's not purely an air shaft. It it looks. Um, like a calendar sometimes at Sirius. So that made me think maybe they, they, maybe they did do some burial or embalming rituals inside the pyramid and they would do it at certain times perhaps so that you can still see Sirius inside this giant stone mass. I'd like to speculate that you're right in that because the point that I was making about astrology earlier was it was the original mapping system before we really had language. We had cave paintings with stars on them and they would line up. If you would place them above you with the stars fully lit, it lines up where these planets were at that time. And my basis is in, I'm a horticulture and environmental soil science girl. I studied the science of agriculture, planting, and the history of it. And the way I just stumbled across astrology was with the farmer's almanac. And certain days were crucial for certain processes. And one of the processes that I learned about on the full moon, like right now we're in the full moon of cancer. During the full moon, it's the best days to do bug exterminations because bugs are the most active during the full moon. So that's how I came down the rabbit hole of astrology. That's really interesting for a few things you said. One is we have a lot of overlap because I studied um, like ecology, so plant and wildlife ecology and some biology. And later... After my time in 
um, university, I started to work with um, tribes in my home region, like indigenous peoples there. And um, I became really fascinated with how much agriculture is still left over from prior to colonization. Um, yes. <laughs> a lot of it was wiped out because of like siege warfare. So for mm -hmm. instance, people, people know about Buffalo Bill a little bit. People kind of know that um, the U.S. almost eradicated all the bison. Yeah. Um, that wasn't just random. That was siege warfare against the Lakota and the other confederated tribes in the plains. But yeah. there were other things, too. There's a event that took place in parts of Montana and Idaho and I think eastern Washington called the Camas War, where settlers were, you know, white American settlers were beginning to privatize the land and personalize it and put up fences and kill people who would cross over and they would look at a beautiful meadow and think, huh, I could plant a farm here, either being too stupid or arrogant to realize that there already was a farm there. And camas is a, is a beautiful flower, but it's also a really important crop to a lot of different tribes. And yep. so the, the, I think it was the uh, Bannock tribes there and some of the Western Shoshone and other tribes that fought a war against the, the settlers because they were ruining their camas. But anyways, we have a lot of, we should talk again about agriculture and historical agriculture because it's very, very interesting to me. I'd um, love to. <laughs> yeah, I I also have a, a casual show on Colin, and I just was talking to another guy named Jam about doing an ongoing series on um, agriculture and just do episodes from now until whenever one of us dies or we both decide to do other things. Um, so maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll reach out to you and, and we can talk there. Um <laughs> Shit, I had one. Of oh, yeah. Language. You said um, what do, I want to get to know exactly what you mean by before we really had a language, because I might I think I might disagree with you, but I'm not sure I, I'm entirely clear what you're saying, that it, that astrology comes from a time before we had language um, like modern language. But maybe tell me a little more what you mean before I start to say I disagree. It's more like. You know how Latin is the mother of all the languages we speak in America and how we still use Latin terms. Like the days of the week still correlate to astrology no matter what language or religion or people it comes from. Because Hakeem was explaining earlier that in Norse mythology, the days of the week correlate to those names, but Jupiter. Yeah, you got Sunday, of course, and Monday makes sense, sun and moon. And then Tuesday is Tewa's day, Wednesday is Odin's day, Woden's day, Thursday is Thor's day, Friday is Frigga's day, and Saturday is the day of Saturn. Hmm. But in, in that case, are we missing the name of a Norse day? Because Saturn, I thought, was uh, Latin. Is, but some they they mix them up because the, all of the the Greek and Roman gods are the same gods as the Egyptian gods. They just have different names. They're all they're the same. They correlate with um with uh, yeah Egyptian gods and then I've heard they just that. Have... I, I know they have some differences, 
Um, and, and I know also, like, I've heard at least the Norse gods are kind of also, like, they may be more like cousins, you know, how, like, a lot of species that are really closely related, they didn't descend from each other. Like, they both had an ancestor that was the same. So maybe that's the same with, like, the Norse and the, the Egyptian gods. I don't know. But um, about language, I I think I, I will, maybe I'll just say I'm unsure. I think maybe I agree with you and I disagree, but I have been thinking a lot about language and, uh, you know, the ongoing um, studies into where, you know, how did people get where? Um, I think that there's a possibility that people ended up where they were from a, from the migration of an ancestral species that by the time, like at the time that um, I guess you could say people were leaving Africa, maybe there's an argument to be made that like, that was actually one of our ancestors. And uh, I think about this also, like there's so many species that have um, languages, they have different dialects. So humans are the, obvious one we kind of overshadow other other creatures in our own minds but dolphins and whales have different dialects numerous different species of birds have regional dialects to the point that you could take a bird that's like genetically the same you know as close as we can define the same species which by the way is up for debate like what where exactly do you draw the lines uh, and say this is one species and that the next one is another there's, there's different definitions, but um, within one species of a bird that can very easily interbreed, they will not interbreed with each other because they don't speak the same language. So you could put a, a single male and female um, in the same little patch of forest and they might not care for each other at all because they don't understand what the other one is talking about. Um, a dolphin will think, rape you. Well, that's true. Yeah. Dolphins, some dolphins are pretty fucked up. Some of them are not so, uh, not so bad, but I was getting at the point that I think that language predates whatever definition we have of humanity. Like it's very clear to me that all the other primates have their own languages. It's very clear to me that like, uh, birds are not just saying robotic stuff that they are communicating in a way that sometimes might be really important and sometimes might just be like kind of messing around like uh like wow that's really really pretty uh sunrise or hey fuck you uh you know whatever i fucked your sister or some crazy shit like that birds are saying i think people need to get out of the mindset that language in animals is only just like predetermined and and somehow different or inferior to human languages but my point is that i think the languages that we speak, um, the roots predate humanity. Like whatever our ancestors were before that, also had languages. Um, but the what, birds what are dinosaurs, man, through, right? Yeah, birds are like the, one of the last surviving lineages of of dinosaurs. There were uh, actually there were other birds. They call them um, opposite birds in the era of dinosaurs. The only reason they, they have like Archaeopteryx and Ornithomimus. 
but I think those are birds. There was a whole other like family within dinosaurs that they call opposite birds because their shoulder, there's like three shoulder sockets or, or there's, there's three like parts of their bones that go into the shoulder socket. And in modern birds, that's uh, like upside down from these other lineage that did not survive the mass extinction. So there were, there were already another group of animals doing and looking, you know, doing what birds do and looking like birds look in the time of dinosaurs. And then a lot of the ones that were kind of um, smaller of a different family later became birds. But um, yeah, but to your point, Cicely, I think that even though I think that language is older than humanity and we just inherited it and continue to use it and, and change it a little, I think that there were still certainly these same um, thoughts and and like cultural tropes that now we call astrology. Um, you know, I've seen numerous different animals, especially primates, are easy to tell, but other other you know species from other parts of the animal kingdom as well, looking at and appreciating the night sky and the stars. So I think that um, we could maybe both be right that like language is much older than even humanity, but also astrology is like woven into the the older languages. And we now we have to kind of translate what what was being said a long time ago into something that makes sense to us in English or whatever language you speak. That does make sense. And the point you were making about how animals communicate and they have their own language and dialects for every sector or how they would speak and say something really fucked up, like you're ugly. <laughs> but it's like, even those animals rhythm is in astrology. Like I was mentioning that a lot of bug and bird and animal species that are nocturnal are really active during the full moon that's that speaking of that language like before we had the written language where we could write it and say it and put it out as a written form it was a communication between the stars that we followed yeah i think we're saying the same thing <laughs> Yeah, but so when I had to hear you out for it, I was, like, it, I was like, yeah, he's making a lot of sense, though, because from what I studied in animal and vermin and all types of beasts and burdens and the ecosystem, and I specialize in soil science, well, environmental soil science. So I would look at the environment based on the microbiome of the soil and even bacteria react to what time of the 28 day cycle we're in. So that language is so old. It's like really old. So everything is in rhythm to this ecosystem and earth has its own ecosystem as well as this ecosystem facing out towards the stars. Now I got to do more yeah, research. Yeah, no, me too. I want to, I want to learn about that in bacteria. I think, um, I kind of the same sort of thread I was talking about earlier about how people sort of devalue other, uh, species. Um, and I include 
plants, fungi, bacteria in that. There is a intelligence and a consciousness, I think, of everything that's living. Um, like, this is now kind of becoming more common knowledge, but if there's an old stand of trees in the forest, one of them is cut down. Um, the other they trees send out alerts. No, they they keep it alive. I mean, they do send out alerts. They understand that the tree nearby is dead for a number of reasons. They can tell through their roots and fungal networks. They can tell because mm-hmm. all of their branches, especially the the top of the the tree or the yeah, plant, it's the phytonet. Have, yeah, but they have what's called like an apical meristem. So that's the usually the very top of the the plant. And that's like its most sophisticated eye is on that apical meristem. And it'll sort of conduct the symphony of the rest of the body of the plant of how to grow. But there's also other um, light detecting cells on the ends of most of the limbs of, of most plants. And so they can tell all of a sudden on the side, there's much more light and I'm getting hit by more wind. And we can tell through the root network that, um, you know, Hakeem, the tree, is not talking to us anymore. He's not uh, taking any of our nutrients, and he's not giving us any nutrients. So they'll change the the flow of nutrients um, to keep the stump, like the little stump at the bottom, alive um, for years and years after it's cut down. And and there's also, like, bacteria. Say that there's bacteria that live in a seasonal wetland. So um, in a Mediterranean type of climate, a few months of the year, that wetland's going to be really dry. And if there's bacteria that thrive in that water and it gets too dry one summer and they might all start to die, they'll form a cluster and the bacteria on the outer side of the cluster will basically commit suicide in a way that creates a seal. So there's still a wet inside that can survive until the next rains. And the and bacteria have a, a ability to to do gene transfer using what's called a capsid. So instead of having to reproduce and transfer genes only to their offspring, they can transfer genes, genetic information laterally to or contemporary living bacteria through a little packet that they will eject from their body. So as it's drying out, like 90% of the bacteria um, basically admit to themselves they're going to die, send a capsid inside so their genes are are reproduced elsewhere, and they die to seal the, the water content of the inner part of the bacteria. So I'm really big on, um, for a number of, of philosophical, but also just like empirical reasons, not uh, assuming uh, that a different species is is incapable of complex thought and behavior and consciousness. The, uh, Andrew, there's also a really great book called uh, Thanking the Monkey, Rethinking the Way We Treat Animals. And they have demonstrated, some scientists, that uh, lots of animals and insects, which are animals, um, have very complex languages, emotions, feelings, memories, and all that stuff like that. All right, so now I got to check out Secrets in Plain Sight and Thanking the Monkey. Thanking the Monkey. Okay. Now, you guys, this has been 
absolutely excellent first chat, but three hours just went by, and I'm like, what the hell right. happened? It's 322, the number of ISIS. Yes! The number of ISIS, and I actually got to get going and finish writing some more stuff. Now, I'll be back tomorrow around the same time just to do another Astro Chat, and I want everybody to come back. I appreciate y'all helping me with my first chat and having a good old time with me. But I'm not actually a night owl. This is really, I'm really, you. <laughs> Great I'm up really, really yeah. late. And I'm going to give you guys a follow. You, Good to meet you as well. I can't wait to hop on some shows with you guys and Jade and you guys in the in the chat. Fahim, come back. Y'all know. Just pull up some information. And 